Brian, you and I have never talked about what happened. So I can only guess how confusing and strange this all must be for you. But I don't know. Because you won't talk to me. I don't know if you're mad or sad. I need to know that you're okay. Or whatever it is, I just need to know. Because this scares the shit out of me, Brian. And I don't want to be afraid. Drop it. Duncan and Bo come correct. So, hey, welcome everyone to Duncan and Bo uh, come correct. This iteration, of course... Uh, entitled Duncan and Bo Hunt Mines, uh, which makes it found, sound vaguely Teutonic. Um, and this is us looking at the show Mind Hunter. We have come to the penultimate episode of our look at Mind Hunter, the Netflix series about the uh, the birth of the behavioral science uh, unit in the FBI, a fictionalized account, but certainly um, based in uh in truth in the uh in the true origins of uh of the fbi although um i think there's a hundred percent less devil children in the actual story of the behavioral science unit um and we have a thousand percent more brian in these episodes uh but before we get into uh duncan and Bo. Uh, Hunt Minds proper, uh, of course, with me is always the lovely, the talented, the effervescent, Duncan McLeish. Hello, everyone. Well done. And <laughs> and uh, so before we get started, uh, as we are wont to do on this show, we're going to talk about something we've been watching, uh, good and bad. And Duncan, I know both of us have the same bad this week. <laughs> so which let's not even fuck around it's hell house three uh who cares what the subtitle is <laughs> leak of fire uh <laughs> there's nothing at the top duncan but a bucket and a mop and an illustrated book about birds uh, well you yeah you cannot you one you cannot name your third part of your series after what is literally a joke segment in an eddie Hazard skit you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, obviously you can. Uh, it, much like, in theory, you shouldn't be able to make a movie uh, that is just cobbled together from the first two movies you made um, with a greatest hits shit thrown in. Um, yeah, right. So, so I, let's get our positions. Let's, get, let, let's put our cards down on the table here. Yeah, fucking I'm, let's do it. Yeah, I really liked Hell House LLC. I don't know if you did. I did too. I thought the first one was great. Yeah, right. So, I mean, really, really, really good. Um, didn't necessarily bring anything new to the found footage table, but what it did was lean down on a really interesting story, a really creepy setting, and well-placed. It reminded me of that the house that October built, but just better. Like, just yes. turned so much better. Um, that kind of idea of the haunted attraction sort of thing. I really, really, really dug it. Thought it was brilliant, right? The second one comes out. So the first one does a lot better than anyone is expecting, right? So much so that this guy's like that, what, I get to do a sequel? Oh, cool, right. This is awesome. This one's for the fans. See, when someone says that, you should always be worried, right? You should always <laughs> be means, worried. Hey, we're going to do the same thing we did before. 
Yeah, because like, it, it, like you don't know what it was that made that first movie successful because there's no way to speak to all your fans. There's no way to deep pull that. It was just successful, right? So by trying to cater it to the fans is you trying to cater it to what you think your fans want, right? It's like when George Lucas went, you know what people love about Star Wars? Trade negotiation agreements. <laughs> yeah, all the politics. Yeah, that's what they love. None of that lightsaber shit. Um, so that's that's a concern. And as a result, when you watch the second one, that becomes very evident. It's like, well, what we'll do is we'll just... It, it's not special anymore because it's been done before, right? Um, and I think they tried to stretch it a bit more, and as a result, the money didn't cover as good our actors as the previous movie. Um, the acting wasn't great at the end of the second movie, like it just it had already fallen apart and become one thing a found footage movie should never become, which was boring. Um, it got to the very end, and then it had the fucking balls bow mm-hmm. to say, actually, this story links up with the first story. And we're like, well, we kind of know that, but no, no, no. All the events are linked in this grand conspiracy involving Satan himself. Hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then they announced the third one. And I was like, well, maybe he's made his second movie. It wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Maybe he will take a step back. He will realize what he has done wrong. And he will course correct because you have time to do that. And Shudder paid for this. Um, and Shudder's a, a great streaming service, but someone should have been on site uh, <laughs> like, at all times during this one. Because the third one is a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're not wrong, Duncan. Um, and so the story involves what is the insomnia? Is that the name of the insomnia? Is the name of the attraction? Right. So it's being called Faust. So <laughs> good, the fucking Christ. And yeah. <laughs> so this dude with a scarred face uh, named Doctor Faustus. <laughs> is um is is doing this new haunted attraction there because that's all we do in this movie it's just like hey uh guess who's doing a new haunted house inside this old haunted house oh this this multi-millionaire has yes. decided to invest money in a ragtag group of the worst actors on the planet to do like this show which they travel with, but this year they've decided to do it in the Abagon Hotel. Scene of all these creepy things that have happened in the past. Ooh. And no one in the crew really knows anything about the hotel, mm-hmm. which I find hard to believe because you're on set one day and fucking crazy Ralph has come out to tell you that you're all fucking doomed. Right? That's that's what happens, right? I was I was less than two minutes in my new house and my neighbours were already speaking to me. Right, you know what I mean. That's just people are nosy, right? I'm going to pay to see a reenactment, a modernization of uh, the play of Faust done in this creepy haunted thing. You know, like this hotel that people have died and disappeared in, but everyone in the surrounding area is going to buy tickets to. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, just fucking bull. This is the this was the start of the pain. <laughs> Right. So all of that happens. There's uh, something about a lady reporter who works for the same show as the lady reporter who went missing from the second movie. She's the replacement. 
Right. And, oh my God, Duncan, it's just... Dumb. <laughs> it is such nonsense. And then, of, of course, by the end of the movie, uh, the same thing happens that happened in the first two movies, which is... Oh, no, 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 That's not what... No, no, no. The end of this movie, the end of this movie is... It, it does not... See, I would find that if you go down the whole right cells... Oh, right, I forgot. Jesus, feel God, you know what I mean? Yes, you're right. This ends up in fucking heaven. Yes. Oh, I had almost forgotten this last, like, little coda on the movie, where it's like, hey, dude from the first movie, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, I'm dead, just like you. What? Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking dumb, Duncan. Yeah, yeah, because, like, what's revealed, like, I'm I'm spoiling the fuck out of this. I don't care. Don't watch this movie. No, nobody should watch this movie. No, no, no. So, yeah, so basically what happens is, as Bo alluded to earlier on, um, this movie is really just collections of clips of the scary bits from part one and part two, Whenever anyone mentions one of those characters, like was like, yeah, it was like that time Steve disappeared in the drawing room, and then all of a sudden you get the clip of Steve disappearing in the drawing room. Yeah, it's like it's like a shite version of Family Guy. It, right, right? Like, it, it's a hundred percent. It's the clip show of horror movies. It really is, and it goes through this, and the story's not interesting. Like, the main story is not interesting at all, and this millionaire guy. Um, with a scar on his face, it turns out he's been he's been in the background all along the previous two movies, which I don't think he fucking was. And to be honest, I don't have the of inserted of him actually did exist in them, or if this is just fucking retconning. But basically, he had died in a car crash and passed over for two minutes. He was dead, and this is the justification for him giving up his life. To bring down Satan and the hotel and thus save everyone, save everyone's life, because everyone dies at the end of this movie, and then he sacrificed himself to bring them all back. And then the last clip of this movie is the group from the original Hell House LLC, um, back for what can only be described as the worst reunion ever. <laughs> and they're all in heaven. They're yeah. all in heaven, and heaven's got a bar, and they're going to go to the bar doing their fucking hand clap, hand explosions, fucking dude-bro fist bumps. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? What are we doing here? Heaven. Heaven <laughs> is a place. A place I'd, where nothing, I'd nothing ever happens. Sorry. I sat dumbfounded at this. I, I, it's it's it is, stunningly bad. I, it's I mean, head-scratchingly bad, considering but, it's the guy that did the first movie. Right, he's, right. He's directed some sort of really shit amateur dramatic society. There's not one good actor in here. And the, the, the kind of chief like interviewee person to bring in, the guy that looks like a, a fucking bearded pedophile, that they sit down like at the beginning, he's like, oh, I wondered when you... She leaked to the police. Now, they weren't expecting this to happen, but maybe... And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Get off the fucking camera, fat ride. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> it's, like it's just a collection of shite. And he's... <laughs> who is he? It doesn't, even, it doesn't even explain what his involvement is. Is he a local historian? And if so, these events only happened, apparently... A couple of months ago. So why is the local historian in here? It, it just got increasingly more dumb. One of the worst bits for me, I'm not one of these guys that picks 
like nitpicks to the point where I'm like that. You know, even at, the, at this level, these small details shouldn't be annoying me. But one of my favourites, all the way through this movie, they're all talking on these walkie-talkies to communicate with each other because that's what you do if you're in the crew. You talk these walkie-talkies. Right. Until the important bit where they're like that. Where's Russell? Where's the leader guy? Where, where's he? Oh, he's up on the balcony. Oh, someone needs to get up there. Oh, I'll just walk up there with the camera and no one now has a walkie-talkie. On, on the first night it's shown, right, on game night, no one has a walkie-talkie anymore. I'll just walk up there with a fucking camera. Oh, you better take the camera. So-and-so says, like, no, sh- the shit's at the fan. Let's not fucking have the camera. Just, on, on the, it was at that level, I was like that. We are just, like, any semblance of anyone trying to remotely give a fuck about this project has been shat in the toilet. It's, it's terrible. It's a terrible movie. I, 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 I've not been this annoyed at a movie since Terrifier last year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I dislike this movie as much as I do Terrifier. Oh, no, Terrifier is like an, a, a fucking aborted fetus of a, a horror movie. It's, it's absolutely woeful. And the fact we're going to get subjected to a second one of those doesn't make me happy at all. Because I, what happens is they just keep making movies. <laughs> so we might get a fucking... Terrifier 3, Lake of Fire. Um, fuck this passion. You know, apparently uh, people are excited about this, though. I mean, people seem to be into into the Terrifier. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, I can... Right, I didn't like it, but I can see why some people might like it. Like, see if like you just really want to see like, sc- like screaming women run about the place and be fucking mutilated on screen and dodgy graphic. If that's what you want, with zero plot, zero story, um, and, and like a, a really fucking horrible, narcissistic mean streak, if that's what you want in films, Terrifier is a movie for you. Yeah. I like a bit of depth. I like a bit of character development. I want someone that I can actually root for. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, the announcement of that second movie, everything made sense to me about what they're going to do with that because it's a Kickstarter because they wanted to do one graphic kill that will really shock people and like that. That's basically what you did in the previous movie. That's all anyone talked about the previous movie. And they, they have tried so hard to make Art the Clown a fucking pop culture icon. They really pushed that and I get cynical about shit like that. But yeah, I, can under, I can't understand anyone being like, you know what's really good? Those Hell House LLC sequels. Because yeah. they're not. Yeah. Like, at all. Even a little bit. Unless you purposely go... And the thing is, this is how I know it's just shit. is because you have an affinity for bad movies. Right? You you enjoy a good, bad movie. So if you're telling me that you think this movie's shit, then I know that it doesn't even qualify as a good, bad movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's not. Bad. It's right. It's just it, it's just uninspired and lazy and boring. And it's not like yes, when the dude shows up and is like, "I was wondering when you guys were gonna finally <laughs> give me a ring," and, and you're like, "Oh my god!" The yes, the the uh, the unexpected comic book guy has just been brought in here. Yeah. The worst sequel ever. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of character where you're like, "Wow, you're just." fumbling over yourself to cram as many like shitty horror tropes as you can and mm-hmm. in a sequel there is almost no shittier a trope than oh here's the expert that knows all about the first two movies so every time you you have to like you know well what happened in the first movie here's <laughs> you know fatty mcneckbeard to tell you all about 
um, to tell you all about what went down in the second act of the first movie. Yeah. And then the most horrifying thing of all happened. Oh, he, he says a bit at the very end where they're like, um, some people believe that he died for two minutes and crossed over the other side. I don't know about that, but maybe. And I'm like, oh, fuck yourself with a rusty chainsaw. <laughs> I actually wished Art the Clown showed up and dismembered him. Uh, I would fucking pay money to see that. Make that happen, fucking terrifier director. <laughs> Fatty McNett beard and eviscerate him on camera for me. I just can't, just... Just a load of shite. Really, really, from start to finish, that movie was just a load of shite. And I found myself just, like, perplexed by the 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 fact that this is the same crew that did that first movie. And I think it is the, is the Eli Roth thing, isn't it? That maybe that first movie was great by accident. Yeah, it's the, the right. It's the accidental good movie. Yeah, and then um, you 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 kind of hope that you give them the benefit of doubt and say, well, maybe this is a future talent, and they, I can't wait to see what they do next. And then they reward your eagerness with shitting in your pocket, um, and then just waiting for you to put your hand in it with honestly, shite. Honestly, man. Honestly, I just right like. If whatever this guy does, like the original Hell House, Hell House LLC is a f- more than fine example of found footage horror films. It's, it's sort of yeah. this example of what you can do with not a lot of money and and uh, just hiking, uh, so, sort of spiking the creep factor of your movie because that yeah. movie excelled at the like, oh, you move the camera away and then it goes back and something's changed. And, yeah, but I'll tell you, the, the, the third movie has one bit where I was like that, this is what this movie should be full of and it's when the girl does the dare and yes. she goes... And see when she goes into the basement with the clown and she goes over, she kisses the clown, she turns around and the clown is facing her. Yes. And I was like, that that's what this movie should be. Right. Because that's what made the first movie special. It was small changes in the background. It was none of this glitchy screen and then fucking Satan's bald-headed fucking spokesperson showed up he doesn't make it. It was like... Like the worst kind of shit. This is like the new shite pinhead. He doesn't make deals like this child. Oh no, child. This, you know, there is no God in this hat. Fuck off, man. Honestly, this is just pish. But you got that one clip. And I was like, oh, because it happens kind of like the 30 minute mark. I was like, oh, maybe he's done the right thing here. And then, no, they don't revisit it. They, They bring the clown bit back one more time in a tawdry thing that goes nowhere goes nowhere and um yeah the rest of it's all these black robe people that are uh, fuck this pish fuck it bo uh, yeah i award it zero stars fuck this movie it's real bad it is real real bad um yeah i it's unfortunate that the first movie is as much of a surprise as it was of like oh this is really good it felt like finding you know that kind of diamond in the rough yeah uh, that's like hey here's this uh, the little movie that could you know um i felt that way about uh you remember that vampire found footage movie affliction i love affliction yeah where it's like man they didn't have a lot of money but they had a great idea and look look how well it came off 
and yeah. and how surprisingly good it is. And I've kind of wanted to feel the same way. Like I felt like the second one was like, eh, this just isn't very good. This feels like a retread. And then the ending of teasing this greater conspiracy and stuff. Uh, I was not in for. I was like, ah, that's real dumb. And yeah, I mean, I I I just don't understand why. You, like, I mean, like, I, I, clearly the guy clearly fancies himself as a bit of a you know a horror landscape artist you know what i mean like someone <laughs> yeah. that can really really you know like pen this big interweaving interest and, and that's not what these movies are a vehicle for and the sad thing about them is this is kind of what these movies are now becoming vehicles for i mean paranormal activity the further you went down that rabbit hole the more shite happened Let's let's be honest here. It starts off with, oh, right, it's a weird creature. Then it becomes, oh, look, it's a weird creature who is in the house next door. And then it became, oh, right, well, it was a witch's coven, which was started, you know, 30 years ago, which caused this. And then it was like, well, it's like maybe the the witch's coven's still on the go and now there's cholos for no reason at all. Hey, Uh, I I stand by the marked ones. I think think that's one of the better ones. It's a fun movie, but then we have dimensional doors that lead you back into Like, the more they start adding to it, the less interested I am. Because I'll tell you, when I was watching the first Paranormal Activity, at no point did the question spring up, well, where did this creature come from? I didn't ask myself that. Yeah. You wonder why yeah. Did, it's the same reason I don't ask myself why Jason's killing camp counsellors. All I need to know is he's seeking vengeance for the death of his mum. That's it. That's enough backstory for me. I don't need any more backstory unless it's Jason goes to hell and then you can give me as much nonsense backstory as you want. But you know what I mean? It's the, the same problem happens in Nightmare on Elm Street. So I think it's always been there. The difference being there is budget and good actors to pull those movies through. And when you do the film footage thing, it doesn't work. That Bad Ben series, I don't know if you've checked out any of them. No. That first one. Real fucking bad, real fucking dumb. And then you were like, I think we're on Bad Ben 7 now. I, I see those things keep popping up on Amazon Prime where it looks like just some dude who owns a house decided to make a horror franchise. It's literally what it is. And I think that sounds I'll, kind I'll, of I'll amazing. Be honest, his house is stunning. Yeah. His house is actually stunning. I would do the same if I owned that house. Um, but yeah, they did a prequel and then a sequel and then a sequel and. And I think every time they do a new one, they try and explain more about the mythology. And I don't care. It's like when you go and see, uh, you know what it's like? It's like when you go and see Metallica live, right? I go and see Metallica live. I couldn't give a fuck if they play anything off that last album. All I want to hear is the hits, right? And they're, the only reason they're releasing albums is so that they have an excuse to go out on tour, right? Mm-hmm. Get some money from that, they go out on tour, and on tour they'll play maybe one or two new songs, but it's mostly the greatest hits, right? That's that's what they do. If Metallica decided that they wanted to do a tour next year and all they were doing was playing that new album in its entirety live, I wouldn't fucking go. You want to know why? Don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> like... 
you stick to what you you stick to what you're good at. You stick to what people want to see, which is you know the 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 scares, the setups, and all the rest. The stuff that works as a core. It's why Friday the Thirteenth as a franchise is one of the more interesting ones to me because it's like here's the formula. Let's not deviate from the formula. <laughs> like and every time they try and deviate from it, my interest gets a little bit less. The problem with this one is it's like. You know, you know what? People really like that Hell House. Let's give them more mythology. No one wants more mythology. Let's give them some more. Let's explain more. Let's see how it's all interconnected. I couldn't care if it was all interconnected. You know, I, I could not care less about that. What I want to see is the creepiness, the atmosphere. Is Those are the things that scared me. And how they, they brought back those actors from that first movie in two of those sequels now. And every time they come back, their acting gets worse. <laughs> How is that fucking possible? Right, right. Like they are regressing as actors somehow. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're lowering themselves to the level of their cohorts. I just don't get. And yeah, I'm glad because originally there was talk of five of them happening, and then I some somewhere in the background something happened, and it was an instant lake of fire was the last one. And I can only assume it's because Shudder saw it and went, we are not financing part four and five. We unfortunately now have to put out part three, but we are not financing anything else. Yeah, where they're like, hey, man, we asked you to bring us a movie. Yeah. Not a clip show. It's like, it's like, see the the kind of fake CGI fire and the building falling down the things, oh, which are cool from an iPhone app. <laughs> that's pretty solid. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's a good time. Oh, oh, can we talk about something good? Uh, yeah. What's your good? Um, I'll tell you what. I did check out, and I really liked it. And it's not well. It's not horror, and that's probably why I really liked it because I need to juxtapose something against the shit that I just had to watch. Uh, I watched a little E twenty four number called The Farewell. Oh, how is that? Really fucking good. Huh. Really, really, really good surprisingly charming very funny and very dark at the same time it's about um to, to give the story it's about a chinese family living in america a uh, mother and father uh, and a daughter who has a very expensive apartment in new york uh, and our parents live in new york as well and she kind of travels back and forth she's desperately trying to get into some sort of art school but isn't really getting there and um there are kind of, you know, the family's a bit weird, but she speaks to her grandmother every day back in China. Um, and this is all like the first five minutes. Our uh, grandma goes for a test and finds out that she has a really bad form of cancer, which is basically she has like months left to live. And the family decide that they're not going to tell her. Instead, they're going to set up this fake wedding using her cousin. Right, right, um, right, right. And the whole family's going to go over for one big celebration. Because in China, apparently this is a real thing, in China they believe that the family should take the burden of knowledge of, you know, like a disease like cancer and things like that. And if you tell the person, basically that's what kills them, not right. the, the, the disease. Um, and it's it's excellent. I really, really, really enjoyed it. thought it was, like I say, very, very funny. It's a kind of... It's that, it's that kind of staple thing now for E24 when it comes to those indie comedies they do. Really, really, really good at them. Um, but yeah, I saw that. I thought it was excellent. So that's my good. Excellent. I will uh, very briefly... Uh, I, I'm going to slip in, this in as my good because it certainly comes in ahead of uh, Hell House, Lake, Lake O'Fire. Um, 
but I saw the the It Chapter Two. Did you know? I did see the It Chapter Two. Um, and I think probably you and I, based on what you said in the last episode, which mm-hmm. which you were very good about ma- m- putting that in a way that it didn't spoil anything, but seeing the movie, it was like, oh, I totally understand what he was saying. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of of the mind. It's not as good as the first chapter. Mm-hmm. The cast is excellent. Um, my problem with the movie, I think, is that a lot of shit gets lost in that movie. The, like, a lot of the... Uh, I don't know why his wife is in the movie at all. Um, y- yeah. yeah, Bill's wife, you mean. Yes, Bill's wife. Yeah. And there's a lot of this little stuff of, like, if you hadn't read the book, I don't know that it it would have necessarily played as well. Um, I I felt like it was a good Cliff's Notes for the books. I I think that the ending got a little overblown in a way that I just wasn't really down with. Um, (laughs) I prefer it to that TV movie. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. No, I'm not arguing that. Um, it's yes, I, I it, it far far better than the the mini series, but I, I don't know that that's you know the the highest of praise. That's a pretty low <laughs> bar because because that second half is is really bad. Um, you know they're like it's not awful. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give that impression. Um, I had a perfectly fine time watching it, but there were a number of times as I was watching it where I was like, eh, I don't know that this is like, like well written or anything. How it, it just, yeah, it felt like, like the longer certain sections ran, the more I was like, oh, right. Why are we, why are we taking so long to get? to the point here and then other bits seemed really really rushed like um a what's his face henry oh right that whole henry bauer stuff is like yeah it's like blinking you miss it you know what i mean yeah yeah um which is a shame because his introduction back as a character was fucking brilliant yeah and and that's also one of the i i think the stories of the movie is that like there are moments that are fantastic yeah and and moments that i really really liked um you know just from a visual point of view like this is a really well constructed horror scene you know Mm -hmm. um so i definitely had some of that but also there was plenty of uh, i just i wish this movie would just get on with it like like all this stuff with uh beverly and ben at the end of the movie i was just like none of this is landing for me and I wish yeah, it were because yeah, I yeah. like that relationship a lot, and it just mm-hmm. never felt like it mattered all that much. Um, I tell you what, I did enjoy. Like you were talking about the meanness of that first movie, mm-hmm. um, and I'd said to you last week there was a particular scene that I thought was incredibly mean spirited, and it's the one with the little girl. Yeah, that is really a nice moment. I yeah, mean, in, like, in terms of just being a horror fan and being like, "Oh, well, that." they got that part right yeah dark as fuck and like it just like reminded me very much of uh, the nastiness of pennywise as a character the fact that he completely exploits the kind of the broken and outcasts yeah 
I just I love that the idea of him, you know, uh, the fact that she had no friends and she's teased about this birthmark, which makes her instantly sympathetic. Plus, she's a little girl mm-hmm. whose mom can't even be interested in speaking to her. Um, and yeah, that whole sequence, I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah, and it just really wasn't enough of that for me. I, I actually like I've read somewhere where they, that they substitute a lot of the horror out for humor, um, and I I'm cool with that. To be fair, you know what I mean? But when the horror is there, it needs to be on point. I don't necessarily think it was. Oh, that being said, I think some of the... I, I think they cast the adults perfectly. Like, uh, because some yes. of the interactions are absolutely like wicked. Very, very, very funny. Um, and I know there's a lot of people like with the... There's two sides of the coin. One side of the coin being, why didn't they just come out and see Richie's a gay character? And then others were basically saying well they don't need to it's implied and all the rest that doesn't bother me if i'm honest i thought it was fairly self-explanatory you know i mean if you need that actually physically said in a movie then fine um i don't need that i can read between the lines and if my opinion's right or wrong then it's right or wrong that's what opinions are there for um but like i thought like richie's relationship with eddie and all the rest i thought all that was excellent so and even stephen king was surprisingly interesting in the movie (laughs) it was pretty funny yes that was one of those times where i was like you know what stephen king do your thing man i i it's hard it's hard for me to give you a hard time you seem to just be having a good time and it's not like Jordy Verrill where we're like leaning on oh, him to no. to carry yeah. uh anything. It was just a kind Yeah, of a he's not out advertising maximum overdrive or anything with his weird squint eyes. Um Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he was like and I love the in jokes. There's like a, a good few references to King King work in there, like here's Johnny and all the rest. Like all, like well, even though that's not him. <laughs> the, the recurring gag about like Bill not being able to be end able a to book. finish a book. Yeah. That's <laughs> brilliant. I right, that that was very funny. Um I wish there had been more of that. Um yeah. but yeah, i you know, it at the end of the day it was like, well, this is this is all kind of fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some really, uh, like you said, the, the scene under the bleachers is really good. I think the scene, um, opening the movie with, uh, what's his name? Adrian Mellon, I think is yes. the, the name of the victim. Um, I think that scene is really well done. Um, yeah, I like for the most part, uh, I enjoyed the movie and, and it, I just felt like a lot of the details that were dropped in there didn't really mean anything to the narrative. It was more a little bit of fan service, um, for some people, you know, who came to the movie and, and wanted to see, you know, the, the cinematic version of it. And there is nothing wrong with playing to the, the cheap seats on occasion. Uh, mm-hmm. I think maybe it chapter two does that once too often where it's like, well, this doesn't yeah. connect to anything in the narrative. It's just for like, Oh no, like, like the shit with the turtles again, where you're just like, yeah. I wish you would quit bringing up the turtle. If you're not going to show the fucking turtle, because yeah. I want to see what that looks like on, on a big screen. The, the Marvel movies have told me Duncan that you can put crazy shit in a movie and, and people will still turn out for it. And yeah, I, that's the, the thing about this one is, and you could make the case that like, um, Adrian Machetti could do absolutely anything he wanted with this one. And it would have still made hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So on that level, I'm like, you, you did the hard work on that first movie. You got the, the bums and seats, so to speak. Oh God, like just go, let's just go with it. Let's just go, 
full king on this one. Right, like do all the weird cosmic shit and all that. Yeah, Yeah. you you could totally do that. Um, He didn't. I'll tell you, one of my favorite scenes um, in horror this year is where um, Richie, as played by Bill Hader, who's fucking brilliant, um, is going on his big rant at Pennywise. And he gives them the deadlights, and he looks like Ash from Evil Dead, yeah. just out of nowhere. Is one of them, one of my favorite because it's just so sudden. And I was like, "Oh yeah, fuck. <laughs> it's brilliant." Yeah. Why was there not more of that in the movie? Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, yeah, you know, again, I'm I'm lodging it as my my good entry. I feel like um, at the what end of the day, it, would you grade it at five? I give it four, and then on my second view, and I dropped it down at three point five. I think three and a half feels right. Yeah, um, I think it. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. I think that the the first chapter borders on great. Yes, it leans that way far more than this one does. I, you mm. know, I'll be curious. One of these days, I'll sit down and watch them back to back just to do that to myself. And yeah. Eh, it's you know so uh, like it's it's fine and if and if you like it a whole lot more that's totally understandable and that's fine um it just wasn't it it just didn't land all that well for me i think yeah it's like I, it's like i said last week you know it very much like that first movie it will not be in my top 20 of the year i can pretty much predict that just now but i'm glad i got to see it in the cinema you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I, I think that's where you go and see a movie like that is in the cinema, and I'm glad that I went out and checked it out. I'm glad that it did a lot of money again. I, I don't think it did as much money, but it certainly had a super strong opening weekend. Um, but, you know, you have a hard sell trying to get someone to go multiple times to go and see a three-hour movie. You know what I mean? that That is a tough, tough sell. i tell you what I did check out, actually, now, now that we're pivoting off slightly. Yeah, yeah, right. um, a movie that I have been kind of obsessed with since I saw it. Um, Ad Astor. Have you seen it yet? I have not. Uh, is that worth my time? Uh, um, right. Here's the thing, though. I have read a lot of people saying they dislike it intently. I kind of think it's amazing. <laughs> like, And I, I came out the cinema going, that was a good movie. And then I kind of slept on it and I woke up and I was like, that was a great movie. And then by the end of the second day, I was like, you know, they just don't make movies like that anymore. It is a sci-fi event. It kind of reminded me of like a cross between like Moon meets 2001 A Space Odyssey by way of Event Horizon, but not like any of those movies. Um, And Brad Pitt's phenomenal in it. It's just visually hypnotic. It's a deliberate slow piece. I think Brad Pitt is very much like um, I, we mentioned this recently. That's why his acting style is very much like Kurt Russell in Soldier. It's very monotone, very matter of fact, very detached. Okay. Um, it, I I loved it. it it's, to me, it's like we just don't get sci-fi movies like that anymore. Where it's not all about aliens and weird space things and like that. It's like a it's kind of like um, Outpost, you know, where Sean Connery's out in, in the middle of nowhere and life just goes on. You have to do your job and do your duty and all the rest. It kind of reminded me of that. It, I, like, there's just a lot of it where I was, I was recalling sci-fi movies that I love from, like, the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, so, yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. But I've heard people tell me that it is boring and nothing fucking happens 
Um, it's too slow. And they didn't like it, and all this shit. So I, I would, I could see hand on heart. I have no idea where you will land on it. Okay, uh, you know, I'll give it a look at some point. No, no question about it. Um, because uh, I got that Regal Unlimited deal. So I, oh yeah, nice. So I just, it's just, I would say, see it in the cinema. That sure. that I would lean into that because the spectacle of it. It's, it's huge looking and it's huge sounding um, that you should you should check it out. But it's most the most of the movie is predominantly seventy five percent of Brad Pitt and his inner voice, and that really works. And Brad Pitt for me is an actor this year who has turned into magnificent performances and completely different. So I, I mean, you're not going to get an argument out of me. I thought his performance in uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just the best mm-hmm. and this one couldn't be any different if it tried so yeah i'll be interested if you do check it, i'll be interested to find out what you thought of it okay yeah i'm uh I, I will be excited to uh to check it out um you know which i will do probably and eh, within the next couple of weeks um uh whenever i have a day off where it's like oh i can just fuck off to a matinee this afternoon um, mm-hmm. so i mean uh, can i get uh, i don't know if i can get away with that tomorrow or not one of these days <laughs> one of these days duncan um <laughs> but uh anything else that you saw that w- we need to mention before moving on with our lives hey i there there have been other bits and bobs but to be honest with you nothing that's like stand out to the point that you know we need to have this conversation now not like mind hunter bone oh nice segue duncan this is uh as i mentioned in the uh the introduction this is the penultimate episode we have one episode following the two that uh sit before us uh now Mm -hmm. and i i for one duncan uh am excited to tear into these because we are getting deep into some uh, Atlanta child murders. Oh, and, yes. Uh, oh, yes, we are. So the seventh episode that we will be covering um, opens on uh, on Ford and Tinch kind of debating, if, if you remember, Duncan, when last we left our heroes, they mm-hmm. had picked up this dude um, what had fingerprints on some porno magazines found near the body dump for all these child murders. They're in here. And not only that, there may be a potential uh, specimen left in the nearby area as well. Yes. And by specimen, I mean semen. Yes. The uh, um, man, man juice, baby batter. Like, like, this is interesting now. Like, the cultures are different here because it wouldn't be man juice. We'd call it man jam. Man jam. That's nice. (laughs) Which is fucking vile. (laughs) <laughs> um do you have baby batter baby batter was one i always enjoyed and, and like i've heard a term it's just probably one that's not used like over here <laughs> yeah it's pretty fun though uh because it's the, alli- think, the alliteration baby batter baby well, batter yeah the uh, bazzy's one that he tried to promote for a while there was spaff <laughs> that i like it but i, all, I like vile. more it's that, <laughs> i like more that he was like I think this should be what what it's called now, yeah. and and tried to push it forward. Oh yeah, it was it was it was walking about the place calling people spaff bules, and I was just like, that's just fucking horrible. And and also it had it harkens back a little bit to that George Carlin joke about a feminine hygiene product he wanted to make called <laughs> Sprunt. <laughs> anyway so holden and tinch are debating uh at this point they're kind of standing in the police garage as this guy's 
uh, what's his name? Um, ah, crap. What is the name of this dude, Duncan? Pervy McUnlucky. Pervy McUnlucky. Luby, I think is the guy's name. Anyway, so this bearded dude, what got picked up, um, as they're going through his truck and everything, holding and Tinch are uh, talking over, like, how, how do we get this guy to crack? What is his rock, a la the cherry picker crime? And then somebody, find, Jim is who finds it, finds this whole case of, like, duct tape in the back of this dude's truck. Yeah, and, and it's t- not just like one roll; it's like multiple rolls. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a like a case of duct tape, like you would buy at a supply place. And mm-hmm. and Tinch is like, "Looks like we got him." And Holden is just like, "I this is stupid." Like we're yeah, like, he's two seconds away from basically saying this is you know it's not that this doesn't make sense. He's just like this guy isn't our guy. Right. You know, and that's the recurring theme of uh, of this whole episode. Is and the in fact the next couple is Holden saying like why are we fucking around with this yeah <laughs> and and that is his attitude and then we we go to credits and come back and now we're with the interrogation where our bearded buddy is being interrogated by Bill and Holden mm-hmm. and uh, they're like so uh, what what do you do for a living he's like well I'm I'm a plumber and he looks a little bit like the dude from the battery he does a little bit Jeremy Gardner he looks a little like it's not him but it yeah. looks a little like him they should have still got Jeremy Gardner in I, I I mean put Jeremy Gardner in everything that's my motto yeah. but <laughs> so uh you know, Holden is like, hey, so I see here you have a misdemeanor for a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor. I have a misdemeanor <laughs> instead of a, fel- a felony. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I don't think we can hire you. And um, we've pulled your criminal record, and it looks like you've had a oh a misdemeanor. Or are you cute? you're hired as a child babysitter right just a, a misdemeanor for touching children um but no it's for, for his misdemeanor duncan is for petty theft yeah and they're like what's that about and he's like well i just i put some money on a counter for these tires and they said they never found the money and kind of hard to argue with that i guess and they're like okay um so where do you work and he's like well, you know, all over. He mentions a couple of places, and then he says Lakewood Heights, and that's where Holden yep. gets all excited, like, oh, is that right? And <laughs> Titch is like, so when you're in these places doing this plumbing shit that you do, you notice any kids around? And he's like, uh, I guess, maybe. I mean, if they have <laughs> maybe. kids. And, and then they're like, yeah, you work in the homes of black people, too? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I work every- I'm a plumber, man. I, I work everywhere. And... Uh, Jim brings in some coffee and kind of makes a show of dipping his thumb into the coffee. Yeah. You know, to kind of, let's take this guy's temperature on racism and see how he feels about this shit. And, mm-hmm. uh, but so the guy who looks like Jeremy Gardner, he pick, he kind of moves the coffee around a little bit, but doesn't drink it. And, yep. and like Holden and Bill are like, see, and meanwhile, the guy is just like, that guy put his thumb in my coffee. I don't want to drink it. Not because he's black. I just don't yeah, want somebody's thumb in my coffee. Yeah, but I'm thinking exactly the fucking same. I'd be like, that is. Yeah. I don't yeah. know where his hands have been. Right. Like, I don't, I, this isn't about him being black. This is about him being a human being that put his thumb in my coffee. And uh, Tinch is like, hey, you, uh, you ever go to any clubs, you know, any meetings, maybe the kind of meetings where everybody wears a sheet and hates shit. And he's like, hey, man, I'm not in the clan. Like, that's not me. I was raised to treat everybody the same. 
So, no, I do not fuck around with the clan. And uh, Holden starts stacking up duct tape on the on the <laughs> table. And Tench is like, uh, it starts badgering me. He's like, yeah, I see uh, you go down Red Wine Road, do you? And he's like, yeah, when I'm on the way to work. Why are you stacking up all this tape? And yeah. Holden is like, yeah, you have a lot of duct tape. And he goes, yeah, I'm a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> which is really funny. And then Holden brings out the big guns, which are the porno magazine. Yeah. And they're, and Bill is like, we found your cum soaked stroke mags 50 feet from a body. Yeah. This guy folds like an accordion ball. Right. And he's just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And they're like, yeah, now all you need to do is tell us what you're sorry for. Fully expecting him to be like, I'm sorry I killed all those black boys. And instead, yep. he's like, uh, look, my first wife's pregnant and this is our first baby. And she doesn't feel like fucking. And a man just has needs. So I went out in the woods and rubbed a couple out and just left those magazines there. It's the face when you hear the, this, the like... You jerked off in the woods, <laughs> right? And, and they're like, "Yeah, this isn't our guy." <laughs> yeah, and Jim knocks on the door to tell him, like, not only did this dude just jerk off in the woods, all innocent, like, but we found another body that was picked up and dumped since we picked this guy up. Yeah, and all of that, but the press knows he's in there, right? Doesn't and, know him by name, but know they've picked up someone. Which, if you'll remember, the district attorney was like, "Hey, I'm going to give you a warrant for this dude. Just make sure that the press doesn't find out about it. If it's yeah. no, if it turns out it's nothing, which is exactly what happens." And so he uh, Holden is incredibly pissed off in this scene because he's like once again i told you the profile is a black male in his like mid or early 20s to early 30s this guy is none of those things and we wasted time again and another kid died yeah it's like what is the point of us being here to put all this theory in practice to really shine to do what Ted wants us to do, which is become the front line, the people that you turn to, if we're literally not going to do that, if we're not going to follow the profile, if we're not going to track down the things that we need, if we're going to discount all the things that I have said right from the start here, that this guy doesn't even tick one. The only thing he ticks is he is a man. That is literally it. <laughs> yeah. We could pull anyone in here. To be like, and you get this, there's a bit of friction here because Bill's like, well, we don't know that. You know, we like we don't know that your profile's right at all. We're, we're kind of, we're kind of, we're working on your assumptions here. And let's be honest, he doesn't say it, but you know, he's thinking, let's be honest, you're not stable holding and your judgment at times is a bit wrong, you know, and you fucking hugged it, head Kemper. Right. You know what I mean? This is, you, you, you can't, you're a brilliant man and I vouch for you, but you are painted. You get too close and you think you're right and that can cause you to overlook things as well. Right. And further, I'm an old school cop. We had this guy's, you know, bodily fluids close Staff. to his spaff close to these bodies we have to question him yeah. we can't just dismiss him and mm -hmm. and holden again is just like fuck you and <laughs> so jim is walking jeremy gardner out the back because the press is out front and he's like and she's got calves the size of canned hams and, <laughs> and tinch 
uh, kind of follows him down, and then he sees this cop watching the press conference where they're announced, like, it's the uh, police commissioner, I think, talking to uh, reporters. And the cop looks at th- this dude, Jeremy Gardner, walk by and goes, well, that guy's life is ruined. Yeah. And Tinch is just like, fuck. And Hol- it, this is where Holden kind of follows Tinch and is like, hey, man. We need to do what only we can do, you know, which is just what you were saying. And Holden and Tinch then decide they're going to go get some rest, but Tinch is all pissed off about all this. And he's like, I'm not even good to anybody after 24 goddamn hours. God damn it. (laughs) And fucks off to bed. While Holden ends up watching reports on TV, and then the reporter says hey, this is the first time we found a body dumped in Rockdale County. Mm -hmm. And Holden immediately calls Tinch, who is asleep in his motel room. and He's he's not best pleased. No, he's just like, this better be good. And (laughs) Holden's like, hey, he's fucking with us. He and, And Tinch says, if he's still fucking with us in eight hours, tell me about it. And then hangs up on him, which was pretty great. But what when they finally wake up, or when Titch finally wakes up, what Holden tells him is the killer is communicating with the FBI via his dump sites. Yeah. And he's taunting them by dumping this body exactly where he knows that they've already searched. It, this was the big, like, fake phone call, we're going to search this area. And there's going to be no body, except this time the killer is like, hey, I'm going to dump a body exactly where you looked. And it was a fraud, yeah. you know, um, and they they go to the chief and tell him what they've theorized here. And he is initially skeptical of Holden's idea, which is to lure the killer out of out of hiding by holding this vigil at one of the abduction sites. Because there's this organization named Stop that is run by all the mothers who have lost kids. That's kind of mm-hmm. becoming this political movement in Atlanta. And they're going to have this big march. So Holden is going to kind of co-opt that march. And his theory is that the killer could not resist this spectacle. Yeah. And so is going to be compelled to be there. So they can get... Um, license plate numbers and canvas the people who are there and and just basically get a, a suspect pool out of the people at this march. Yeah, I mean, in fairness to the chief here, like he's already you because it, obviously there's no concept of time here. This is running over quite some time, um, but like the FBI have said one thing, they've tried it, didn't work out, they tried another thing, didn't work out. It's worth saying that none of these things have followed Holden's lead at all, really. They've been kind of bastardised versions of what he has said. Um, And, you know, here they're back again. Like, give me some more bullshit about how we need to do this thing here. And each time the requests are like, he doesn't follow this, he doesn't understand this about why killers would... The concept of a killer being motivated to go back to the scene of his crime as some sort of sexual element. You know, these cops just couldn't comprehend that back then. So I love this idea of, at first, he's like, oh, he's like, you know, I don't really want to involve it. Right, well, maybe we could try it and all the rest. And it would, you know, from Holden's position, he's like, if they just listen to what I say and do everything that I tell them to do, there is a chance everything will go well. But what you will find out really, really quickly is that there is a level of bureaucracy um, in the police department, specifically when he's requesting things that will, like, 
almost intentionally sabotage everything he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Holden is the idealist here. Yeah. And, you know, like, one of my favorite parts of this whole scene, though, is when the, like, as Holden is presenting his idea, the chief describes it as, sounds like a whole lot of screwing around. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of foofaron. Who's the what's it? Poppycock. Poppycock. And, um, but, you know, also, everyone, to your point, everyone in the room is like, it's probably the clan. And Holden's like, are you guys not fucking listening to me? It is not the clan. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we can't rule it out. You know, it is Atlanta <laughs> after all. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> And so I think we should be looking for some guys wearing white hats. Yeah. And so Holden is so pissed off about all this. And then one of the hit cops delivers this case of pedophile records to him, which he immediately takes over to Jim and is like, yeah, hey, Jim, would you mind going ahead and separating out all the young black males in these pedophile files? And uh, Jim's like, yeah, all right, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I got my own shit to do, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just when you get to it, uh, just so long as I'm not doing it. And then a tinch passes through and Holden's like, where the fuck are you going? He's like, I got to head home for the weekend. And uh, Holden, Dominus. <laughs> right, faintly in the background. Oh, oh. Um, and Holden goes back to his desk, finds another case of pedophile cases there. It's just like, don't, they got me. <laughs> And so Bill ha- takes off home, and when he arrives, he is very slow to actually exit his car in the driveway. Wouldn't you be the same? Yeah, as he stares into this home that has now become a battleground between good and evil. <laughs> and he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to have one more cigarette before I head inside. <laughs> Stock up on your holy water. Yeah, I forgot to stop by the Catholic Church. I need to get by there and get some holy water. The power of Christ compels me to have another cigarette before I go through the door. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I'll tell you one thing: Christ is a bit of a procrastinator, bro. I don't know if my mother sucks cocks in hell, but there's definitely a <laughs> prostitute named Susan sucks cocks for two bucks a go over on Division Street. <laughs> think i'll visit her real quick before doing battle with satan this guy is trying to hold together an investigation and you know like a serious one prove the fbi's behavioral sciences unit as the de facto de facto go-to first stop for any weird crime try and keep holding in check play the political game and not upset ted um, and at the same time as juggling a marriage that is slowly breaking down in front of his eyes and a child who is clearly Satan. Yeah, and he lays it down. I think it's in the next episode. He has yeah, a, he goes a real, right through all. Yeah, there, there, are, there are two moments in this pair of episodes where characters just roast somebody. Oh yeah, I know one that you're on about. And it's kind of amazing. It's <laughs> it's pretty great. But anyway, so speaking of a future scene in which someone is roasted, Wendy and fucking Greg are listening to the last interview um with the uh the the gay killer. Um Yeah. And uh they're listening to that bit where like the the interview has gone south and Wendy gets called into Gunn's office as they're listening to this. And she goes up to check in with him and Gunn is like, Wendy, nice to have you here. How'd you feel about the interview? 
And, and she was like, you know, I, d- I didn't feel great about it. I know that there were some issues with uh, Detective Jones and uh, or Detective Smith. And he's like, yeah, it's clear Greg isn't up to the task. Um, Greg's a real dickhead. And, <laughs> and you know what? I'm just, I'm just, I hope you don't take it this the wrong way, but fuck Greg. Yeah, I look, Wendy, you hire who you want to hire, but every time I look at that guy, it makes my balls hurt, and I don't know why. (laughs) It may, like, I want, he's got a face you want to punch, you know? It's like a real catcher's mitt of a face. Hmm. And anyway, so she's like, you know what? I I felt like, yes, we're inexperienced, but. This is valuable. It actually helps figure out how the questionnaire should be, you know, sort of phrased and shaped. And she's like, you know what, Wendy? There's no reason for you to be flying all hither and yon. That's what agents are for. We're going to hire some new agents, and you can focus on what you focus on, whatever that is. It sounds like some science shit, and we're all for it. So, Wendy... Good to have you up in the office. Get back down there and you give that science what for. And she's just like, uh, all right. Uh, this seems like <laughs> a, a real sexist piece of shit thing to have happened to me today. And <laughs> Holden then goes to visit uh, Miss Bell, who is one of the mothers. She's kind of the one uh, who gave him some shit the, uh, in the last set of episodes where she's like, hey, take one of those like Rice Krispie treats. Be sure you pay for it. She's that lady. <laughs> and and Miss Bell and her team of mothers have like stepped up their game, and they now have a pretty substantial kind of headquarters set up. And- yeah, they've got like armed security. They've got their own army, their own flag that recognizes a state. <laughs> right. They, they have their own currency now. Um, and Holden is like, hey, here's what we want to do is we want to, you know, set up this, uh, put up some crosses at these memorial locations where these children were kidnapped. And we here's what we think will happen. And Miss Bell very appropriately tells him, like, listen, listen to me when I tell you why this is bullshit. These mothers are suffering and also uh they don't want to be exploited by a city that they feel hasn't taken their grief and their loss seriously so Mm -hmm. they don't want to be fucked with and he's like no 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 i appreciate all of that but this may be our only chance to to catch this guy and so mrs bell or miss bell says okay we're not going to do it at this location because that kid's still missing and the body hasn't been found and mothers need to have hope so we're not going to do it there we're going to do it at the one where there has been a body found and also we're going to be the ones who put the cross up because that'll that will make it part of the ceremony and just and not some little gag that you're trying to pull Mm -hmm. and he's like no problem we will get you those crosses. <laughs> Everything is cool. I appreciate it. And they I will not de- I will not deviate from this plan at all. There will be no reason to deviate from this plan. It is no that reason, solid. Because everything will go smoothly because I can tell you right now, the police efficient will efficient. If there's one thing the police are, it's efficient. Right. There is nothing that will stop us from completing this goal. And then they they shake hands, and Miss Bell she does give him the look like you're you might be full of shit, and I don't know yet. Yeah. And then we uh, go to Wendy, who is checking in on uh, on Bill, 
and is like handing him some applications. And she's like, Hey, I've got a rough training outline here. Like we, we need to hire some agents. So if you could look this over, uh, just th- that'd be great. We, I just need you to eyeball this before we start hiring some new people. And she's about to walk out the door and uh, Tinch is like, you know, Wendy, I, uh, I, kn- I know I haven't been great around here recently. And she's <laughs> like, Hey, it's fine. Like, I know you've been going through a lot. Just hey, get to those when you get to those. You have yourself a good day, Bill, and starts to leave again. He's like, you know, Wendy, <laughs> this thing with Brian, uh, it's really something. And she's just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's going on, Bill? Uh, like shuts the door and has a seat. And he's telling her like, oh, you know, he's regressing. He's kind of scaring the shit out of me. Quite frankly, he stopped talking. <laughs> Dominus. Um, but here's what Brian said in his garden going. What did he say about me? Yeah. Oh. Father is talking and said like <laughs> like Danny from, <laughs> from the Shane and he's talking about us. Yeah, yeah. Careful father. Um <laughs> you know I'm listening. I'm always listening. And <laughs> he's like yeah, I'd hate to I'd hate to ruin Wendy's relationship. Dominus <laughs> Oh, I will sour a relationship. Look what I did to Kim Kardashian in that four-day marriage. <laughs> that was Brian. Remember Kevin Federline and Britney Spears? That was me too. Dominus! Princess Di and Prince Charles. <laughs> oh, Dominus! <laughs> the paparazzi are evil. You know that, father. They are the tools of the devil. Fly, my winged spawns of Satan. <laughs> right, like the monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Fly, <laughs> my pretties. Snap pictures of celebrities in the most dangerous uh, as possible ways. <laughs> and, and Bill uh, is like, you know, he stopped talking. The cat started. It's a real weird time around the tinch house. And she says, hey, he says, you know, we got him at three. And when we asked the the dealer uh, or, you know, uh, the salesperson or whatever that gives you the babies, uh, they were like, oh, yeah, this one's totally fine. Like, uh, totally good. The first three years, no problems. Mm-hmm. And he, But he's like, I don't know what happened in those first three years. And Wendy says, uh, Bill, it's not your fault. Can I go now? And he's <laughs> like, well, I'm just worried, Wendy, that. What if this is just who he is? What if something happened in those three years that made him this way? And she's like, probably. I don't know. I'll see you later. I'm going to go get some lunch. I skipped breakfast, Bill. Sorry. I got to get out of here. Yeah, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. And so Bill is about to head back to Atlanta and is saying goodbye to Brian, who is just silently staring at his toys on the floor trying to make them float. You know, he's just like, hmm, this power has not yet manifested itself, but I know I am capable of it, for I am capable of everything. Yeah, he gets to that point where he walks past the mirror and sees himself as Sam Neill, like 25 years later. Yeah. <laughs> in the White House for some reason. Yeah, like the, the dogs just bark at him all the time, so you can't keep him inside anymore. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Nancy is telling Bill like I can't I can't keep doing this man like this is you're you are gonna kill yourself you you're not sleeping you're not eating well when you're down there we need you here because Brian I don't know if you've been paying attention Brian might be a little scary (laughs) 
And just as they're kind of getting into this, Miss Leland, the social worker, shows up. And Bill is like, oh, uh, did we write something down on the calendar wrong? And she's like, nope, totally, totally surprise visit. Uh, let's let's check in on you and your and your doings. And this is another one of those moments where she's like, hey, it looks like you're about to go somewhere, uh, Mr. Tinch. And he's like, I certainly am. And uh, let me tell you all about my murder interviews. And Nancy's <laughs> yeah. just like, stay on the aerial killer, say. Yeah. And she's like, murder interviews, you see, that's fascinating. It's always something I'd be interested with because, you know, in my field of work, we like to think that these these actions, these the insights into how someone is brought up could create a killer. And then she's like, say more, Bill. Yeah, I mean, it's another situation where he's like, yeah, I'm going down there to work on the Atlanta child murders. And she's like, oh, my God, that's, you know, that case is so, it, it's so horrible. And what do you guys do? And and she's genuinely interested in what it, what he does. And then Nancy is like, "Let's go get Brian. How about that, everyone?" And everybody's just like, Ugh, "Okay, um, <laughs> I guess bring him in." And Brian, she brings him in. She's like, "Hey, Brian, you remember uh, mommy's friend Miss Leland?" And he's just like, "No, mother, I do not." <laughs> but then again, time exists simultaneously for me. I am both remembering and forgetting everything. In the blink of an eye. At any given moment, I contain the, the entirety of the universe's knowledge and also the mind of a child. Yes, yes, it is that dichotomy that makes the spawn of Satan such a fearsome creature. Yes, I, kn- I am one with all living things. Now where is my chocolate milk? <laughs> Soon I will corrupt everything that you call Earth. Now uh, I will need a change. As you know, Mother... <laughs> I have been saving a special fluid for you. <laughs> milk, milk, lemonade, mother, and let's just stop right there. We can go round the corner after lunch. <laughs> and <laughs> but when she asked it, like, "Hey, Brian, you remember her?" He's just like, "No." Yeah, Which he, d- he doesn't. Once again, does not reply really, and they're like, "Oh no!" Right? He just shakes his head and foretells her doom. And then we cut over to Wendy and Kay eating breakfast. And Wendy is kind of bitching about, like, being sidelined by gun. And Kay is responding in typical Kay fashion where she's like, hey, you know, how is he going to know he's not a mind reader? You need to be about you. You need to get in there and tell people what it is that you want. And Wendy is, she is doing what I call the relationship justification phase. Right yes. before the breakup comes, where you're just like, uh-huh. "This is nice, isn't it? Isn't this nice? I mean, this isn't this isn't awful. Like if we did this forever, I wouldn't kill you, probably." Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the always like when you think like a relationship is maybe starting to go south, you think bold gestures will save things. Like really extreme life changes will fix things. They won't make them worse. Right. Let's get crazy. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. It is that stage of a relationship. It's yeah, the key I'm thinking phase. I should get your name face tattooed on me. <laughs> this doesn't seem like a bad idea at all. Hey, Kay, have you thought maybe we should adopt a child? <laughs> Something that will forever bind us together. Uh, but what Wendy says after she says, this is nice, isn't it? Isn't this nice? She says, you know, I've got this extra bedroom. Would you like to maybe move in? And Kay is like, well, what are you asking me here? Do you need a roommate? And she's like, well, no, I just thought it would be nice since, you know, you can have your own space. And 
she's like, you know what I want uh, out of you, Wendy? I want you to ask me to move in because you want me to move in, not because you think that this is going to be a good tax break for you or you need a roommate or whatever the fuck. I need you to 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 be an assertive individual. And Wendy's response is, I'm sorry that I upset you. Yeah. And anyway. She, she, may, she may as well have turned around and said, I have to go return some videotapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that, that totally, like, it's having a mirror highlight all the things that someone thinks you have as issues, but not being able to recognize them. Right. I mean, it's that, like looking into a mirror and seeing a completely different person now. Yeah, and also, you know, Wendy is is like, you know, I, I have this great physical relationship with, with this woman, and I think I like her freewheeling ways, and and it's just, I think, you know, having been sidelined by gun and all that stuff, I think she, she is looking for that person that's going to be her champion. Yeah. And Kay instead is just like, not giving her shit. I think her, I think Kay has a good point here. She's got a great point. It's like, you know, like this sounds like a big life change. I need to know where we are in this relationship. Right. You know, I think that's a fair question to ask when asking someone to uproot where they are. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of, I think she is right. But then at the same time, I also think, that you see it later on. Um, that Kay's very good at preaching <laughs> things that she's not very good at doing herself. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so Kay storms off with her scrambled eggs and sulks, and then we cut to Holden and Tinch, who are talking to the chief about uh, getting the crosses. Like, hey, we've got this deal with uh, Miss Bell now. And the chief is like, well, I don't know if we can do that because there's some business with the stop organization being investigated for money laundering or, or the way that they're distributing their funds and some families are getting more than others. And Holden is like, no, 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 you can't do this bullshit. Like if we don't include them in this investigation, they'll freeze us out of the community. Like we'll get no help from anyone there if we fuck with them. And Jim rolls in just to be like, by the way, Holden's right about that, Chief. Uh, also, um, there might be a problem getting these crosses built because uh, there are uh, different divisions that say they need to be responsible for the construction of the crosses. And that's in in dispute right now. And Holden's like, what the fuck? Like, none of you guys are <laughs> you listening. one job. Right. <laughs> and, but, and this is the point where he is so fed up that he's just like, all right, guys, I'm calling Ted. And so he storms yeah. off. <laughs> and there's like a tall pouty face tantrum. Right. He's like, Ted. I'm going to call Ted. Make, go, I'll get my crosses. And Jim then presents uh, a suspect who has some uh, minor charges, some, some <laughs> misdemeanors about assaulting minors and is a general piece of shit. And... Also, he has been associated with the brick building that was mentioned by a witness before. And Holden immediately is like, that's not our guy. And he's like, how come? He's mm -hmm. like, because he's white and old and we're looking for... How many times do I have to tell you guys this? It is a young black male. And they're like, all right, fine, man. Meanwhile, Duncan, uh, we cut back to Nancy, who is, who is handling shit solo at this point. Yeah. 
She is not having a good time. Right. She's dealing with this fucking kid that's scaring the shit out of her because she thinks he's a psychopath and gets a, a ring at the door and it is the mother of the child who was killed and presumably like her sister or something that is kind of a long is kind of that person that's like, I'm here for you. You just be strong. You know, like you, I know you're going to do this. You are, you are so powerful, Mary. You are such a powerful woman. And <laughs> Nancy invites him in and, and makes some coffee and is being really polite. And the mother just sort of unpacks her grief and is like, I can't, I can't carry this with me forever. I came here to say, um, I, I know what the details of the case were. I, I had to, I had to know what happened to my son. And I was wondering if I can talk to Brian. And Nancy's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 First of all, he'll steal your soul. Second of all, <laughs> you I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let the mother of the the boy who died say anything to a child that's already in a fragile emotional state. And let her through, mother. I can <laughs> smell a wounded soul. Perhaps she wants to make a deal. I want to ask her what itches now. <laughs> Tell her I love her suit. Yeah. Ask her if it toughened the nipples, mother. Um and so but Nancy is like, no, it is you are never gonna talk to my child, uh, evil as he is. And then uh the mother takes Nancy's hand and says, I forgive you. Yeah. And that this is the point where the sister or whoever does the smart thing and is like, I think it's time for us to go now. Let's Yeah, we need to get this woman out of here. Right. Well, just like, hey, this we have accomplished all we can accomplish here, and this is only gonna get bad if, if yes. somebody stays any longer. And as soon as they leave, Nancy just loses it. She just sobs. And, yeah. and which is totally understandable again. I mean, that is a heavy, heavy thing to deal with. <laughs> It's a human thing to do. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel sorry for Nance. I really, really, really do. Because, right, what Bill is, let's be honest here, being not supportive at all is shocking a lot of responsibility at home. Yes, you could argue, and I would probably agree with it as well. He has a very important job to do. But his family is disintegrating. <laughs> like, And she's trying to hold it all together. And every day now, there's another event with Brian that just is destroying her. Yeah. Um, and then this shit rolls up to her door. Like, she's trying to piece her family back together and bring back a degree of normalcy. And then the mother of the killed kill baby shows up and is wanting to see her kid and forgiving her and all the rest. Yeah. Brutal. It's what this is. Yeah, it, it's a really tough scene to watch. Like, and and the actress who plays Nancy is is fantastic in this in this scene um, of being kind of tough and and protective and all that, and then also being just totally devastated by what's happened to her. Um, mm -hmm. So, so in the next scene, Jim has gone to the Rogers house, which is uh, the kid known as Patrick, uh, also known as Patman, and who. It, again, this is a back-to-back. -back. Like, that scene coupled with this scene really got to me as I was watching this again. Because mm -hmm. it's the mother saying, oh, yeah, he wanted to be a musician. And she pulls out this folder of songs that he had written. And is going through, and she's like, well, there's this one, and here's one called, like, Good Lovin's on the Way. And, oh, that's really my favorite. He was really good at this. And 
then Jim is like, hey, did he know any of these other kids? And she's like, oh, yeah, well, he, you know, he he knew this one and this one. But it was really the, when Aaron died that it, that he got upset. And, and he's like, Aaron, the I can't remember the Aaron kid's last name. But she's like, yeah, 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 him. And he was like, he knew Aaron as well. He's like, oh, yeah. And they just walk out her back door. And she's like, yeah, he lived right there. And it's, you know, just this house across the street. And she said, mm-hmm. I remembered when that when Aaron went missing that Pat came home and uh, or when they found his body that Pat came home and said and and took me by the hand and said, oh, mama, he's getting closer. Yeah. And and you really I, like, again, the, my, my probably favorite pair of back to back scenes in either of these episodes where you had this devastating thing happen to Nancy and also Jim dealing with this mother who like had this son who felt doomed because there there was no it wasn't like oh they're going to catch this guy it's just like no he's going to get closer and closer until one day he gets me and that's exactly yeah. what happened mm-hmm. and anyway it was very it's good man it's powerful shit it, this is where the show shines yeah it was really like it like i said it, it really affected me uh those scenes back to back and then we have uh <laughs> to further heighten the tension in the community duncan there is a news report that all the cops kind of huddle around where it, a boiler has exploded at this apartment complex, like a housing complex. Mm-hmm. And l- the locals think this is just yet another attack on the black community because they're like, hey, that you know, the clan isn't satisfied just taking and killing our kids. Now they're blowing up our home. And they're like, according to the report, they're like, hey, the mayor is going to have this speech uh, at a Baptist church later. Cut to the Baptist church later. And like Mm -hmm. Holden and and Jim are there just along the wall observing all of this. And the mayor is like, hey, you know, we are going to leave no stone unturned. We are on the case. And even Holden is like, hey, he's pretty good. And Jim's like, yeah, yeah, he's the son of preachers. And this is kind of his milieu. And yeah, this is his audience. Right. And then the crowd starts to fucking turn on him, Duncan, where they're like, the cops will do that. (laughs) Where the crowd is like, what about the Klan? And he's like, hey, if I thought for one second that the Klan had anything to do with this, we would be investigating the shit out of them. But right now we're trying to figure out this looks like it was just an accident. And they're like, nope. It was not an accident. He's like, it could have been an accident. They're like, fuck you. And (laughs) <laughs> and he is effectively just shouted off the stage and then miss bell stands up and starts speaking and she's like yeah they say that they're gonna they're uh they're not gonna rest until no stone is unturned well we're gonna be the ones turning over all those stones that we're gonna be what uh the ones who do what must be done to wake this city up to the fact that black children are on the menu in this city and just gives this rousing mm-hmm. speech and, and which ends with her saying, we will show the world who is the real strength of Atlanta. And it's like, fuck, she is for real. <laughs> yep. Four more years, four more years. Right. Immediately. It's just like, I want to elect her to whatever she has run for. Um, and, and then Bill uh, is, is showing up late to all this and Holden's filling him in about like, well, the mayor, I held this speech and he got shouted down and then Miss Bell stood up and she fucking rocked and I voted for her and I didn't even know she was running for something. And (laughs) 
Um, also, the mayor has ordered this covert investigation of the Klan now. And the chief um, is like, well, we want to let the FBI kind of handle this uh, along with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation because local police is kind of known to be rotten with racists. And Bill's like, uh, I'll do that. I'll, I'll hang out with uh, the, the cops who are investigating the racist. And Holden just looks over at him like, the fuck? And as soon as they leave this meeting, Holden is like, hey, Bill, do you think that's a really good use of your time, Bill? And Bill's like, look, I got a lot of shit going on at home. And Holden's like, I don't give a fuck about what's going on at home, man. Like, we're, we're trying to investigate this guy who's killing kids. And they are interrupted from this fight that we don't really get until the next episode, but it's brewing uh, by mm. Jim who shows up with the crosses, except they're just boxes with the pieces of the crosses and they have to put it together. Yeah, because well, c- they ordered crosses, but they didn't order complete crosses. So right. that was the first mistake. Right, and this is a whiff of the bureaucracy we'll also see in the next episode, but it's that kind of thing of like, okay, we at least got somebody to send us crosses, but nobody told us we were going to have to put this together, and we've got to rush to get these to this stop march, but that's exactly what they decide to do. Uh, Bill freaks out a little bit after seeing a cross assembled on the ground, as you would imagine, where he's like, oh, right, my creepy kid who tied a dead toddler to a cross. I almost didn't think about that for two and a half seconds. Um, And then there's this really fascinating scene, Duncan, where Holden, they're trying to get the crosses to the march, but the march is already underway. So Holden grabs one of the crosses and is trying to get ahead of the march to get it to the side of the vigil. And there's these, Mm -hmm. like... The music is like the music of a horror movie. You're getting these kind of interesting grainy shots of the march, like it's a news footage of the the march. And in between these crazy (laughs) handheld shots of Holden rushing to get, like through back alleys and over fences and shit, to get this cross to the vigil site. Which he does as he's trying to hastily assemble this cross and then looks down at the approaching crowd, sees Miss Bell giving him a look that's like, you fucking piece of shit. Um, yeah, you had one... We, we asked you for one thing. Right. And that one thing was you were to be nowhere near the cross. Right. And instead, here he is trying to get the thing, uh, you know, standing on its stand while looking at these children wearing pictures of the dead and missing children marching silently behind bell. And it's the first time where it seems like Holden really gets hit in the face with the human cost of these murders that, I mean, he's, he's always been like, no, I'm, I'm sympathetic to what's going on, but moving forward in these episodes, he's like, we've got to, we've got to stop this. Like it, it seems to have finally impacted him as a person. And, in fact, after this scene, like this scene just ends with Bell just giving him this withering look. And uh, Holden and Bill are in the hotel bar, and Jim comes in just to tell him, like, hey, by the way, they found another body while all this was going on. And, yeah. and Holden says what he's been saying all along, like, we should be creating the blueprint. Why are we fucking around with this? And Bill is like, you know what? 
I, I, I don't have enough time uh, to get into this with you tonight. I'm going to take off and go to bed. And then in a real catty move, Holden is like, yeah, all that travel really takes it out of you, Bill. And, <laughs> and Bill is just like, such a prick. yeah, he is. He's such a little bitch about it. And Bill's like, yeah, you know what, Holden? It does. And so he fucks off to bed and Holden watches this news report on the latest body being discovered and credits. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, Duncan, let's just jump right into the next episode where we get a return oh, yeah. of fan favorite BTK. And he... Yay, because he wasn't in the previous one and I kind of missed him. Yeah, well, you know, it's fun to, to uh, check up with that that goofy kid and see what, what kind of wackiness he's up to. And in Eastboro, Kansas, uh, he is uh, he's hanging out in his ADT van and he is just observing a couple uh, while, you know, just being genuinely creepy. And, you know, it's that thing where he's staking out the house to get their routine and they are going to be his next victims is is the implication. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Holden is ironing his tie. (laughs) And if you ever ironed a tie, I have not. Neither have I. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like a very Holden thing to do. But uh, he's ironing his tie. Have you ever ironed a pair of socks? I have not. Neither have I. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I ironed something. I've taken a couple of things to the dry cleaners, but personally iron something. Nope. And I don't take ties yeah, to the dry same. cleaner, uh, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. but while he's ironing his tie, there's this really great commercial, not commercial. It's just a, a, a video that the mayor has done where he is sitting at a desk, like fucking Scarface with a bunch of <laughs> money piled up on it. And he's offering a hundred thousand dollars for information leading to the, the capture of the killer. And he's like, oh, and by the way, there's going to be a big concert with Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra in support of the, you know, the stop movement, the mothers uh, uh, who are victims of, of this killer. And uh, then... It was like concert, you say. Massive event where people may show up, you say. Hmm... Right. And Holden, you know, definitely the wheels are turning. But Bill, of course, is now serving as this liaison for the uh, investigation of the Klan. So he's hanging out with the M. Emmett Walsh dude from earlier <laughs> this season, the the detective. Uh, was he, was he sound like Bill? In Russia, <laughs> watching a Klan. Klan watches you in Russia. Um uh, <laughs> But it's him. They're hanging out in a car just late at night watching um, the, the the house of this Sanders kid is, is the name of the guy. And the detective is like, these Sanders are all just giant pieces of shit. Anytime watching a Sanders is wasted time, you see. And and Bill is like, how come, uh, how come nobody like the mayor hasn't been looking into the Klan, you know, more more seriously? And he's like. That's the thing. Mayor been looking at the clan for a while, but he's kept it quiet, see. And then a call comes in and it's like, hey, we got the phone tab. Give it a listen. And it's a call from the brother who is, by uh, this detective's admission, is kind of the smarter brother. Like the, the guy that they're actually watching, he's like, he's too stupid to actually be important. But his brother 
is a little higher up in the clan and having like having a, a, a wire on their phone may result in them, you know, trying to show off to each other and spilling some shit. And mm-hmm. and sure enough, the older brother Donnie um talks some shit about killing a kid, this uh uh Luby kid. And Bill's like, Hey, uh, did he say something about killing that kid? <laughs> and uh Evan Walsh is like, Yeah, yeah, he did. Even we he, got one. Da, 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 da. Let me tell you a little story about a little FBI I know. Um and so they're they're gonna get a warrant to check this guy out. And then we cut over to Holden, who is telling the chief, he's like making his big pitch for we need to exploit the killer's compulsions. Mm-hmm. And he's building up to his pitch. And then Bill and Emmett Walsh just bust in, they're like Fuck whatever he was saying, Chief. Guess what we <laughs> yeah. got? We got... Fuck this guy. Yeah. Fuck Holden. And the, they tell him the news about this phone call that they recorded. And the Chief is like, hey, before I issue a warrant, I want a transcript of that. But that sounds great. And Holden's like, hey, man, I was in the middle of pitching this. And they're like, oh, fine. What is the little thing that you want to do? <laughs> What's the thing that you want to pitch? Well, I've got a call here where a guy confessing to murder. Right. And Holden is like, well, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to have volunteer security for this concert. And our killer is not going to be able to resist being part of this event. You know, it's going to give him this feeling of control over it. And the chief is like, I don't know. I got to run that one by the commissioner. And Holden's like, yeah, whatever. But we get these people to a- apply for a job and we can ask them whatever the fuck we want. We can ask them where they live, where they hang out, what they, you know, what they do for fun, what their hobbies are, whatever, and get a, a, a true uh, pool of suspects. Mm-hmm. Like, like we didn't get at the March because we fucked that up. And the commissioner is immediately like, fuck no, you can't <laughs> do this because Hey, did you know that we have contracts with people in the city to handle security and all this stuff? And Holden is like, either we do this or we just sit around waiting for more bodies. And the commissioner is it, like, it's a compelling argument. Yeah. I mean, it truly, it is. It's like, well, we do this or nothing. And the commissioner is like, okay, I'm going to, I'll allow it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, if I hear one peep outside of this room about you guys profiling a black suspect, I'm going to lose my fucking shit on you guys. And they're like, no problem. No leaky ships around here, sir. Um, <laughs> that is never going to be a problem. And uh, which it kind of isn't, but I, I do like the fact that it should have been. Um, yeah. So Holden then is the, is at his desk and this duty officer shows up to help Holden with all the paperwork to get this security uh, gig thing going. And he's like, okay, we're going to need flyers and we're going to need people to distribute uh, to distribute those flyers. We're going to need to set up a space, et cetera, et cetera. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to need Form 1067 for that. And uh, where'd you say uh, you want these flyers out? DeKalb County. That's not even our jurisdiction. You're going to have to have separate permissions from all the jurisdictions. Tell you what, once you get all that done, you come back to me and I'll help you out. And... It's just a bureaucratic nightmare, and Holden is just like, oh my fucking god, I gotta call Ted again? Yes, this is the crosses all over again. Yeah, except a million times worse than even that. And Yeah, because it's now overly complicated by the fact that he wants to put them in every single county. 
Right, right. Which isn't wrong, but again, it's... Well, yeah. it's five layers of bureaucracy this time instead of one. Right. So Holden is left in that nightmare, and we move over to Bill and Nancy, who are, who are in a nightmare of their own at a psychiatrist's office. Where Brian is in his session, and they're in the in the lobby waiting for him to come out, and Nancy keeps floating the idea of like, hey, we, you know what we ought to do? We ought to sell the house and move a little closer uh, to Alexandria. Yeah. And he's like, uh, Nancy, uh, I think maybe the best thing for Brian right now is routine. And she's like, eh, I don't know if that's true. It uh, <laughs> Bill's like, what happened? Like, why are you bringing this up right now? And before that, and also, I like the fact that the couple, there's another couple in the lobby that Bill keeps looking at, like, keep it down, Nancy. Like, there's another, like, I know we want to have this argument right now, but it's just <laughs> not the time. And then Brian is led back into the lobby and the psychiatrist is like, hey, it's time to go. And he's like, that was a, that was a wonderful chat. Failed scientist. <laughs> Holy man. Shaman. <laughs> Um. (laughs) (laughs) soon the master will be here um but anyway so they take brian out of there and then we have a big moment between wendy and Kay, where wendy has shown up at Kay's place which is this bohemian kind of you know a walk-up apartment and uh they're gonna go out for chinese and wendy is like you know we need to talk and she says you know i've decided you were right, and what I want is you. And whatever that means, that's what I want. And so they make out a little bit because, you know, things are going great. And the doorbell rings, and then Kay freaks out, and she's like, holy shit, I forgot that I swapped weekends with my ex, and I've got my kid this weekend. You wait right here, and I'll be right back. So Wendy does not wait right there. She goes to listen in on what's going on when Kay walks down the steps to greet her ex-husband who has her kid at the bottom of the steps at the, at the door of the, the walk up. And, uh, you know, the, the husband is giving her shit about like not having found a, a better apartment yet or a better job. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I'm working all the, on all that stuff right now. And Wendy's like, I don't, that sounds like bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, she, she says, Hey, I was thinking about introducing uh, a kid to a friend of mine. And the husband is like, hey, we talked about this. Is it somebody serious? Is it somebody important? And she's like, nah, I guess not. Don't worry about it. And Kay is like, fuck you, and slips <laughs> out the back door. What did that bitch see? Right. Like, I'm not important. The fuck I'm not. And then uh, we we are catch up with Tanya, our, our receptionist at the hotel that we haven't seen in an episode or two. Mm-hmm. And she is showing Holden and Bill around one of the ballrooms at the hotel that they're thinking about using to conduct the interviews. And when she hears that, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get you a good rate on it and everything. So no problem. Like, you can absolutely use this space. So we are on track to have this concert uh, kind of gig. And Tanya then sees a, a couple of kids grab assing. Uh, I don't know if that's a European term. It is not. It is not. But I know what it means. Yes. So there's some kids grab ass and buy the payphones, and she goes to give them twenty bucks to go to the arcade. And Holden gets a little spider tingle, and is like, <laughs> "The arcade, you say? What goes on in there?" And she's like, "Well, it's a place where children gather, as well as lonely adults, to play video games." And he's like, 
I want to see this arcade of yours. <laughs> and so they go there and he's like, this would be the perfect spot to hunt for kids, essentially, because it is, you know, it, it is a place where children gather and, and especially unattended children. Mm-hmm. And then Bill uh, Holden and the Walsh detective interrogate this younger Sanders kid who is the the racist. And Holden is in the back for all of this. He's just like, not him. It's not our guy, yeah. everybody. It's not our guy. Because <laughs> like, at one point, the Sanders kid makes the point of saying, is this guy even interested in me? He's like, well, well you do not, it's not making eye contact me. He's not asking me any questions. He looks bored. Yeah, and, and Holden does when he's like, you got something better to do? And Holden gives him this look like, eh, I mean, honestly, probably. <laughs> and but and he says all kinds of like just awful racist shit like he's like the, the murders are frustrating because they tie up traffic and that kind of shit and bill's going after him about you know being being a racist piece of shit and the sanders kid is like you know what constitution gives me the right to hate whoever i want i can think whatever i want i can feel however i want i want to kill somebody so won't you just give me a lie detector and shut the fuck up and just give me my fucking phone call right and but they they that's what they do they put him on a lie detector and it turns out that both he and his brother pass and they're like well i guess he's not the guy and like none of this checks out like he's it it sounds like he was just being uh a little full of shit when he talked about you know knowing this kid and that uh i mean i bet they're glad that holden isn't the sort of guy to tell you i told you so Right, well, because immediately they find another body, and Holden is just like, God damn it! (laughs) Once again, if it's not some dude jacking off in the woods, it's this stupid racist, and, and, like, this puts a a head on the fact this whole season is just about them as a unit learning to trust their own theories and to present that as, here's what we ought to do, because yeah. constantly Bill is undermining that. And- yeah, and, and the interesting thing about it is what was Bill's task at the start of this season? Well, it's just to keep Holden from fucking things up. Yeah, it's to keep Holden from fucking things up, but let him shine. Let Holden yeah. do what he does, just make sure it doesn't cause an incident. And what Bill has constantly done since then is not let Holden do what he does, is undermine Holden by kind of reverting back to kind of standard boots on ground police work, right. which is not what they're there to do. But it's also what he knows, and it's what he believes in. And, and yep. Because I think Bill believes in the work that they're doing, but also doesn't think that it's holy scripture the way that Holden does. Well, yeah, because this is still the first big test. Yes. Like, everything else had done before was a kind of combination of the two, and yeah, Holden played into certain things, and yeah, but there's this is not, like, tried and tested to the extent of we're going to capture this multiple serial killer. Well, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, I think on some level there is that. Plus, I also think a part of Bill is is thinking that if we do lean into these series, and this does prove to be true, then I am almost confirming the thing I'm denying at home, and that if all these things, the trauma starts young. This this basically proves the point that I have a fear that my child might be a future a future serial killer. Sure, 
Sure. So he's leaning away from it. He's leaning away from the work almost um, to, well, look, it's obviously racist. It's obviously the clan. It's obviously this guy who masturbated in the woods. Um, it's all these things because it can't be the, you know, the the, psych- the psychological profile that you've created because if that's the case, then we have the, build- the building blocks of future killers and my child definitely fits those building blocks. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I think that's all right. And then they, there's a, a bit where... Um, the a news report comes on uh, that's you know describing the, this other body being found, and it's the first time that the news re- news reporters talk about fibers being found. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Now that's going to force the killer to change his mo, and they just don't know how it's going to change. But like, he's going to do something in response to this. And Bill, then it may be my favorite scene. <laughs> Of either of these episodes. <laughs> well, this this scene was always going to happen. It was either going to be Bill unloading everything <laughs> that he's been holding, or it was going to be Bill walking into the office with a gun. Yes. <laughs> it was going to be one of the two. So Bill comes home, and he notices that, like, oh, the sink's full of dirty dishes. Nancy's nowhere to be seen. He finally tracks her down to the backyard where she is smoking and ser- staring into space. Two of my favorite <laughs> things to do simultaneously. And Nancy's like, you know, I think we should just leave the couch. And he's like, Nancy, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, you know, when we move, we, we bought that couch when we moved in. It's kind of a shitty couch, so we should just leave it and buy a new couch when we move. And Bill's like, well, you know, we're talking about that, Nancy. We, I thought we decided we were going to wait till." Uh, Brian, um, who doesn't let me use his last name anymore or look him in the eye, but we we were going to let him finish school. And she's like, you decided that bill you decided. And Bill has lights up a smoke too. And she was like, you know, earlier today, Bill, I was taking a bath or I was given a Brian a bath and he was playing with his stupid boat. And for just a minute, it was like it used to be. It was just me and my beautiful boy. And then I get him out of the bath, and I'm toweling him off, and we look at the reflection, and there it is, the mother and son. And I felt relief, Bill. You know why? And he's like, I have no idea where this is headed. <laughs> and she says, I felt relief because I knew he didn't come from my body. He wasn't really mine. Yeah. By the way, he needs to be picked up from school. How about you go take care of that, Bill? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, of course, I, I'll I'll take care of that, Nancy. And he's like, and she's like, good, I'm going out. And he's like, well, where are you going? I don't know. Wherever I go is where I'm going, Bill. And he's like, well, when are you going to be back? Whenever I'm back. And, <laughs> Got a problem with that, Bill? Right. It's like, it, it is Nancy time. You can deal with that crazy motherfucker by yourself for a little while. Because that's what I've been doing all, t- all the time. 24-7 is Nancy crazy kid time. And Nancy is tired of it. And uh, so she fucks off and Bill's just like, all right, well, this is all going great. <laughs> and there's one there's one scene uh, cutting up this action where we see Holden um, show up to the duty cop that was like, well, you got to get permission forms from all these counties. Holden shows up and he's like, slams a bunch of paper on his desk and is like, there's your permission forms, motherfucker. How about you get me some flyers? And the cop is like, oh, I wish I could. It's a little too late for that. <laughs> so I fucking hate this. Right. Like, 
you you got everything you needed, but we'd have to, we still got to canvas the areas and get them all printed up and all that. Yeah, you got we everything just, I asked you for, but you just don't have the time. You just you just don't run out of time. What a boy! What a bummer, huh? And Holden's just like, oh, you fucking cocksucker. And he takes off. Then we come back to Bill and Brian because uh, Brian just walks alone out of the school as other children avoid him instinctively. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Buildings burning down behind them. Right. He's a volunteer. Eyes are just living flame. And he's, hello, father. Another day of school has ended. They attempted to teach me, but it was I who taught them, father. Who's <laughs> like a priest running in the background going, the voices are in the walls. They're in the walls. Right. One of the teachers has hung herself. <laughs> Look, Brian, it's all for you. Yeah, there's uh, several classmates have clawed their eyes out already. Ravens have keep slamming into the windows and killing themselves against the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, we got a bird problem. Janitors keep picking up where whatever classroom Brian is in. There's a pile of dead birds <laughs> right outside the window. You know, you don't have to worry about finding him. Wherever you go, there's a dead mammal to be found. Yeah, we we can hear them in the distance. The Appear to be making the sound. Ca-ca! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, th- oh, so- which reminds me, you need to make me remember after this recording to pitch you my idea for a <laughs> Spanish horror remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Our, this came right. to me in a dream. It is the funniest fucking thing ever. All right. Oh, right. fuck it. We'll just do it. Um, <laughs> uh, the name of the movie, right? Is siesta? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, Duncan! <laughs> oh come on, have a siesta. Yeah, Come on, Bo. I mean, is that? Look, no one's arguing that 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 is not a fantastic title. Is anything else different about this movie, or is it just a shot-for-shot remake of Night of Nightmare on Elm Street? Called Siesta. Well, like Freddy Krueger, as we'll call him here, Senior Freddy, or Fredo um, Krueger, yeah, <laughs> is is burned alive in a pinata. Fredo Krueger, by the way, is like you know, Michael. I can I can be a serial killer too, Michael. I'm the I'm the older I'm the older killer here, Mikey. I'm the older killer. Yeah. It should have been me, Mikey. It should have been me. Uh, yeah, but he, he, the parents burned him alive in a giant piñata. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the, the, the difference in this one is, like, Spanish people sleep during the day. They have a little siesta, and that's when he picks them off. Mm, that is clever. Yes. Uh, coming they, soon to they, there's no yeah, there's the, <laughs> From the director of Hellas 3. Um, <laughs> but no, I just I, I, I thought, you know, every now and again, these moments like just hit you. I'm like, moments of genius. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm glad we captured it on the recording. Yeah, for, yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's there because if someone does do that now, we can always tinkle it back to this and see. Duncan, come up with first. Uh, also, I feel like maybe there's some workshopping that can be done among the listeners. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it was like my it was like my idea for like um, a beach based Bigfoot movie. Go on. Called Beast Watch. Uh huh. <laughs> Just like a giant Bigfoot running like in slow motion towards a screaming child out in the water. I'll be ready. <laughs> like Harry and the Henderson's. 
Go on, get out of here, lifeguard Bigfoot. Nobody wants you anymore. Nobody needs you to watch the deep end. <laughs> lifeguard Bigfoot coming soon to Lifetime. Um, Bill and Brian are in the car. That's where we were. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and awkward silence, would you say? Yeah, Bill is just like, hey, how was homework today, huh? Uh, you got any homework? How was school? That kind of thing. And he's just like, I'm communicating telepathically, Father, but you are far too dim to receive these <laughs> these waves. <laughs> My mind waves bounce right off that big cranium of yours, Father. You have head. You have a head like a lunch bucket. And he's like, you know what will solve this day? Ice cream. Let's well, go for ice cream. What he says, a- Duncan, is, hey, pal, let's go <laughs> have an adventure. Hey, pal. Not he, son. Yeah. Hey, pal. We're trying to distance ourselves <laughs> Yeah, he says, we should take an adventure today. And I was like, he is about to fucking shoot his kid in the head. Yeah, he's going to take him out to the woods and tie him to a tree and leave him there to die. Yeah, no, speaking of Fredo, he's about to get paddled out into the middle of a lake. and He's about he's about to blackface up this kid and drive him down to Atlanta and leave him on a sidewalk. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's, that's the way to do it. Um, but But instead, he takes him for ice cream. And Bill ends up, he's like, yeah, I used to get ice cream. Uh, my, my father would take me uh, after we went fishing. I ever tell you about that, Brian? And he's like, are you receiving these messages now, Father? <laughs> Can you hear me yet, Father? You will soon. And once you hear me, my voice will drive you quite mad. Um, <laughs> and, but Bill is like, yeah, I, you know, I caught this fish. It was so big. I had it in my hands. And... I, I couldn't. It was flopping all over the place. And Brian then goes, did the fish die, father? Yeah, this is his first word in like, what, like a year? Yeah. <laughs> and But the way he says it as well, like, put the chills up my spine. Yeah. And Bill is like, uh, hey, you spoke. Uh, you know what? Eventually it did die. Listen, Brian, while I got you on the talking tip, how about... Uh, uh, how about we take a very serious opportunity here for you to talk to me? Because here's the thing. I don't know what you're thinking or feeling because you don't speak. And he says, <laughs> and that scares the shit out of me, Brian. And I don't want to be afraid. And then Brian says, can you hear me yet, father? <laughs> hmm. Your head is quite thick like that of, say, a lizard. Uh, perhaps yeah, as soon as, 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 as Brian hears the fact that he has a grown adult terrified, he ejaculates hard. <laughs> so, oh, right. Stuff. It, like, you hear the uh, the underside of the table just... <laughs> <laughs> I just had puberty, Father, when you told me how frightened you were. Yeah, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. Like, Because the insinuation here is the idea of an animal death interest in Brian, yeah. which as we know, Bo, is one of the markers of a serial killer the torture and killing of animals. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, you know... <laughs> You're laughing a bit too I, much at that. I am. And then, uh, you know, Bill takes him out of there. He's just like, alright, this kid's fucking shutting up again. Uh, Dude, this kid's fucked. <laughs> yeah, I just... This kid's all kinds of broken. We gotta turn him in. And... Then we cut to the big concert where Sammy is on stage singing The Candy Man, mm-hmm. which the more which, I think about it is a song about cocaine. Of course it is. And uh, Holden and Jim... What else could you call cocaine, Bo? Right. Who can make a rainbow, sprinkle it with cocaine? <laughs> it's, uh, 
It's energy powder is what they call it. Energy powder? Does it have other nicknames? Yeah. Uh, it's got your uh, Toot Snoot, <laughs> Yayo, Chiba. <laughs> Some Chibas in here? What? Gank and clean and burning propane. Yes. Uh, so... Anyway, uh, Holden and Jim are, are kind of checking out the, the concert from the wings. And Holden is just like, oh, the killer's here. I know he's here. I know he's here. Fuck. We could have caught him. And Frank Sinatra on stage is like, hey, everybody, let's give a big, big hand out to the stop organization. These mothers, these proud mothers in the audience, stand up. You've been doing such good work. Miss Bell and her crew stand up and give a wave. And uh, as Holden is complaining, Jim is like, would you shut up? For yeah. two seconds, man. And Holden is just like, I, you know what? I'm sick of trying. You fuckers. I, like, pearls before swine. That's what this is. <laughs> and meanwhile, in DeKalb County, near uh, Atlanta, another body has been found thrown in a river. Yep. And Holden pulls Bill away and absolutely lays into him. Because Holden is giving him the business about, like... Hey, you're never here. When you are here, you're half asleep because you're constantly jet lagged and tired and you're not helping anybody. And you're certainly not helping the cause of the behavioral science unit, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, Bill is like, you want to do this? Come here, come here Mm -hmm. and pull some, you know, to a a remote, you know, part of this river bank. And it's like, you know, what's going on at home? I'll tell you. So my kid is a uh, part of a murder of a child. And so I've got, you know, psychiatrists and social workers crawling up my ass all the time. I got to get home to go to these stupid meetings about my stupid devil kid. And in between, I come back here and you know, the reason I have to be here holding, you want to know why I'm here because gun doesn't trust you not to fuck this up. So if you could behave with a little bit of goddamn professionalism, I could be at home taking care of my crazy kid. So how you like them apples? And Holden's just like, uh, sorry. Um, and, and Bill's like, <laughs> yeah, it, and hold. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't need your pity. I just need you to fucking grow up a little bit and quit acting like a spoiled child. And anyway, um, Holden then says, Oh, I've got it. We need to stake out the rivers. So Jim is the one uh, who proposes the bridges. He was like, here's here's the thing. There are only like 14 bridges. So the pitch is we're going to cover these bridges. We have two cars, two cops per car. We watch them, especially at night. And, um, we'll pitch it to the, the chief and the chief even says like, we can use, uh, recruits and they can't carry guns, but they can be there to observe. And for the first time, Bill is also, when the chief is involved, Bill is like, Hey man, this is all we got. And this seems like a pretty good way to go. Like he's going to come back. He actually says the word, I think it's time to start listening to Holden. Yeah. And Holden's like, see, (laughs) Fucking finally. Yeah. So But this chief is here like the this chief would be brilliant on like I don't know what they call it in America, but Dragon's Den is what it's called here. Because this is like the seventeenth pitch to this chief on something that's definitely gonna catch this killer and he's like, Yeah, maybe. Um 
And he signs off on it, but it is eating funds. And he says that the cost is going to be huge. And realistically, they can only do it for a finite amount of time. So it doesn't happen after that. They're basically putting all their eggs in one basket for this. Well, and there, there's a, also that element of, if not this, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Because at this point, this is all they have left. Right. Which is the case that they've been... I mean, it's the whole reason they agreed to the security thing, even though that didn't pan out... It's just yeah. like, well, what else do we do other than wait for bodies? And so we we do, in fact, go to the stakeouts. There's kind of a montage of uh, scenes with uh, the, the cops staking this out. There's a, a funny bit with um, Jim and Holden on a stakeout one night where Holden, or uh, not Holden, but Jim is talking about uh, wanting Boston to win in a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Holden's like, you're a Celtics fan? And he's like, yeah, I love to watch white men jump. Um, it's yeah. pretty funny. And then uh, while they're on their stakeout, a cop shows up with coffee, uh, to, to perk them up in a little, a little booger sugar as well. I'm sure. And <laughs> clean burning propane. And then, uh, the cop not knowing who he's talking to is like, this profile is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whoever, whoever came up with this is a grade a dumbass. And yeah. <laughs> because what happens in Atlanta and in Georgia in general if a black person is killed, a white it's, person did it. Yeah, it's the clan. Yeah. Or yeah, or just some white dude. It ain't gonna be a black a black dude killing these black kids. It's gonna be a white mm. person. And uh, and then later, Holden and Jim are having a drink and and Holden actually says, like, I'm not making this up. You know that, right? And Chip's like, It's cool, baby, but understand that one experiment doesn't make a rule. So when you say it a white person could not have done this it depends on the neighborhood because you know in one of the neighborhoods here in Atlanta it's a mixed neighborhood and it's not crazy to think that these kids could have gotten in the car with a white guy you know like you did your test in Baltimore which is one of the most segregated neighborhoods so mm-hmm. it's even more difficult so you're skewing like your data can't just be the one thing that you've tried and Bill shows up to see a report on the news where a what is called the Bat Patrol is a series of citizens who are, you know, patrolling uh, the streets during the day with bats with barbed wire around them. And Holden, again, is just like, that won't work. They're like, they need to be out, uh, or they, they, they go patrolling at night. And he's like, no, no, no. He picks these kids up in, during the day. That's when they need to be out and, and on guard. And... um then Bill, uh, as they're drinking, is like, what if our guy doesn't show up on our stakeouts? And Holden is just like, oh, he's got to. Like, if we, if this doesn't happen, we are so fucked. Um, and then we get more of a Rocky Four style montage of these stakeouts. And uh, there's a gag where they all get Caladrill for mosquito bites. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys have mosquitoes in Scotland? Um, we have what is known as midges. Which are not, I think they may be of the same family, but they're tiny little fucking evil bastards that bite you and leave lumps on you. But I don't think they withdraw blood like mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. They just bite you. Um, and midges are horrible. So yeah. I think they're they are not you don't get malaria or anything from the like mosquitoes. So um so yeah, we're we're looking at it too cold, I would imagine, over in Scotland. Yeah, that's what that's what I was wondering. Like mosquitoes are just the worst. And and interestingly, the reason that they they your, your skin puffs up and becomes itchy, it's the the sedative that the mosquito injects into you so that the bite isn't detected. Yep. 
It's that's really interesting to me, but also real insidious. I would also also recommend listeners check out um, the uh, horror film Skeeter for more scientific information about the mosquito and all its uh, potential harm. Um, Skeeter sounds like someone that produces a lot of spaff. <laughs> that's a spaffer. It's a spaffer. Yep. Um, so anyway. <laughs> We cut after the montages. We go to the chief who's like, it's been six weeks, kids, and the money is all all done run out. So we're going to have to shut it down. And this is the last week. And uh, so we our, our time has run out. We're about to shut down that investigation. We check in with Wendy. Here comes Duncan. Oh, yeah. Who has, she's <laughs> big W. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> Wendy has gotten an answering machine. And Kay calls as Wendy is hooking it up, and it's like, the party you were trying to reach is not available. Leave a number after the tone. And Kay is like, hey, I didn't know you got a machine. Look, I'm just trying to figure out, you disappeared from my place, and and we were going to get Chinese food, and I don't know what's going on. And then uh, she picks up, uh, Wendy picks up the phone, and is like, I'll come down and meet you. And because Kay is downstairs, apparently. And... Mm-hmm. So Kay uh, is waiting for her in the lobby. Wendy in house shoes, which I really like. She's like dress hose and house shoes. Uh, I think that's funny. Uh, comes down into the lobby, but like gets with her in that foyer, uh, foyer, um, so yeah. that Kay is not like. And Kay is, is like, "Hey, are you going to invite me up?" And Wendy's like, "No, I am not." Well, this <laughs> is totally fine right here, and. Then just tells Kay, like, hey, you know, you you have been completely two-faced with me where, you know, you presenting yourself as this font of wisdom and this, this free spirit when all you are is someone who is just lying to your husband about your life. And she's like, hey, you can't judge me. Like, I'm, I'm trying to have a relationship with my kid. And whatever I got to do to make that happen is what I'm going to do to make that happen. And I don't disagree with Kay's point here. I think no, no, I, I'm totally 100 percent with Kay on this. But but Wendy at the end of the day is just like, you know what? You wanted me to be honest. Here's some honesty for you, Kay. We're- and this is this is brutal honesty. <laughs> this yeah. is like one of these things that when I had that was like, damn. <laughs> she says, if you want me to be honest, you're just a bartender. Who takes relationship advice from bus stop magazines? I wish you the best. And then like closes the door and is gone. (laughs) Yes. It's like, yeah, that's addressing down on a new level. It it's fucking raw, man. I mean, because it is one of I look, I'm terrible at breaking up with people. It's it just it's the worst thing in the world where you're just like, hey, this isn't working out and all that. Um it's an unpleasant thing to go through. But I have been in one situation where it was like the only way out of this is to just get raw. Mm -hmm. And that is, there is something so satisfying about it in a way that's, that's unpleasant. Like it, it feels a little dirty when, when you're doing it like that, but also you're like, fuck yeah. I'm just (laughs) cutting, nipping it in the fucking bud. (laughs) No, you haven't had that experience. All right. Um, no, I, I tend to be I, I, I tend to be fairly pragmatic when it comes to breakups. Um, like all means have been need, and a very kind of right. Yeah, we both agree that this is not this is not good. Right, 
Awesome. Right. Take care. Bye. Yeah, but uh, but you run into those where it's like one of us agrees that this is not good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as but like the discussions have always kind of been me kind of listing things out, and in a lot of respects, me taking a lot of respect. I'm not an easy person to live with, Mo, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm the one that tends to come with the the heavy sort of you know like analytic baggage to everything. So. I'm the first one to put my hands on, you know, this isn't working because of X, Y, and Z. And they tend to be like, I may not agree, but that's why when you get married, you don't have to worry about anything because <laughs> they've already accepted you for who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, uh, relationships are, are super fun even when they don't work out. I'm a, I'm a I mean, I mean I, I've, I've been, I've been raw to, <laughs> I've been raw to one night stands. <laughs> like, if you know what I mean? Like as in right, this oh, is where, yeah. this is where this is where you leave. Old love him and leave him under- McLeish. I get it. Yeah, this is where you leave now. No, I don't think you understood what happened last night. <laughs> you know, this is a one and done. Oh, That's Duncan. right. You are you are a dog. D o double G. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? There's not a cultural separation between us here. <laughs> no, no, I think that's all right. Uh, so Bill and Holden are taken off back to the hotel uh, before their last night on stakeouts. Holden sees a young kid in the lobby, one of the kids playing grab ass and, and uh, that Tanya gave some money to go to the arcade. And Holden tries to give him some money, and the kid is like, hey, man, no thanks. I don't do that shit. And he's like, "What are you? T- I'm trying to give you some money for the arcade." And the kid's like, "I know what ten dollars buys." And Holden's like, "No, nah, man, it's cool." Wait a second, what does ten dollars buy? <laughs> okay, what does ten dollars buy? And the kid basically tells him, "Like, hey, there, you know, there's a a group of people that will come by, and if you if you want to get pictures, then it, they'll pay you five dollars to get a picture of you, and ten dollars get you a little more than that. And there's this brown house by the stadium, and uh that some of the kids have gone to and he knew some of the kids that went missing but as soon as holden mentions that he's in the fbi the kid fucking takes off yeah and so holden goes to to it's the popo yeah. <laughs> <Bye-bye. Bye-bye. laughs> um cheese it it's the cops <laughs> but holden goes to tell uh bill about this and uh Jim is pointing out, like, like, hey, there are all these relationships. He's got this corkboard, like, beautiful mind corkboard set up <laughs> where he's like, look, all these kids knew each other. Like, uh, you know, 15 of the, of the what, 28 kids that they found so far were all, you know, associates of one kind or another or acquaintances of one kind or another. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Jim then gives one of the officers this job of like, hey, I need you to look for this stack of pedophile files that we have and cross-reference that against people who live near the stadium. Mm -hmm. And then we go to the last stakeout, Duncan, the last ride. And Bill and Holden are in the car for the last night. And Bill is suggesting that hey like we've got three houses like there's this brick house uh this yellow house and now this one by the stadium where we're hearing about kids getting photographed and maybe there's some kind of relationship between those don't you think holden Mm -hmm. and holden's like maybe i've been a little bit single-minded with this theory and yes there could be another thing happening here in addition to like we we clearly have a predator but there could also be this other thing 
And then you hear this call over the radio. It's really a cool scene where this call comes over the radio and it's like, hey, uh, is everybody out there? And you hear a bunch of people sounding off like, hey, we're here, we're here. And then somebody goes, we heard a splash. We just heard a splash. And everybody's like, where are you? What's going on? And they rush to this bridge where uh, Jim uh, is is on a stakeout near this bridge and actually sees this like white uh, family truckster style station wagon coming over the bridge and he pulls out and, and stops the car and Bill and Holden arrive just shortly after. And they, they arrive in time to meet Wayne Bertram Williams, Mm -hmm. uh, who is a young black male. And, um, (laughs) they, they say, Hey, uh, do you have any idea why we might've pulled you over? And he says, huh? I guess it must be about all them boys. Credits. Yup. Yep. If I was holding, I'd be like, see? Yep. See? It's, this guy. <laughs> Who knew how to catch a killer? This guy. <laughs> Who had two thumbs and a great profile? This guy. Um, yeah, but it is it is a total... Um, it, it, I mean, it, like, knowing the, the story as I do... It's like holy shit, man! the The dance has only begun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, I've said a couple of times during our episode. Um, there's a phenomenal podcast called Atlanta Monster, which goes into all this. And interesting enough, they had a bonus episode recently off the back of the fact that Mindhunter has covered this, where they got the guy who wrote the book Mindhunter in to talk about his actual involvement that the series is based on. Which is a lot of him getting sent home and then getting dragged back like three, four months later, giving a bit more advice, which the police don't like, and then he gets sent away, and then that's turned out to be true, so he's dragged back and then gives some more advice. They're like, no, you need to get the fuck out of here, so he gets sent away again, and then they, you know, develop a part of it and then bring him back again. So it's a very, very funny interview. Well, funny in that, it's funny what the, the lens that he can now look back to it to say, yeah, I had this pretty much paid from the start uh, and there was a complete reluctance from start to finish from anyone to believe me. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. It, it's really it, like the, the, the story of the Atlanta child murder is, is fascinating as well, but you know, we'll get into that in the next episode. Um, mm-hmm. We've got one more. That's more of a feature uh, sized episode. And, uh, and we will be wrapping up uh mind hunter season two with that episode. But I look, I, you know, just to throw in my two cents here before we get to the finale, and I will probably repeat some of this uh, in in the next episode. But I think here's the thing: I think all this stuff with the Atlanta child murder uh, and the politics of Atlanta and that kind of thing. I think all of that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I aside from that cold ass scene with Wendy and Kay, I still just don't think that means all that much. I just don't think this show knows what to do with Wendy this season. And so they haven't kind of, they kind of haven't done anything with her Uh, other than like, Hey, she went to some of these interviews, like the stuff with her trying to get some respect as a colleague is, Mm -hmm. is way more interesting to me than a lot of the stuff that you've been been seeing this season uh with her and Kay and that kind of thing like it i i'm i root for her uh, on a personal level to you know find love and all that stuff but i i just i feel like this relationship was like eh, it, it kind of came up and 
you know, I don't think it really if if it goes somewhere next season, I'll be kind of surprised. It, and and if that's the case, it just feels like well, this was just something to give her to do until we come up with something better. Yeah, I th- I think there's also a part of it of of her accepting who she is, you know, as well. Like I think the her relationship with Kate to an extent, there was that idea of maybe she had issues which would, you know, which made her, you know, um, her insecurities, so to speak, the thing that was out with her control. She's a very, you know, head sure person that believes that she knows best about everything and being in a position where she comes across this woman that is totally the opposite to what her previous relationship was. In fact, if anything, she she become a bit more like, ultimately, she, weirdly enough as well, she's become a bit more like the woman she was seeing before. She's kind of graduated to that because she was still the kind of, uh, in a lot of respects, inexperienced in the relationship sort of thing, you know, but very much the beta and not the alpha. Um, and then there's been a tipping point where I think she's went with her instincts, which were, you know, like, and you see through the relationship from the start, there's always been that. Like, one of the big kind of tipping points for me was the fact that, you know, the she wanted to go to the cinema and Kay, like, almost made fun and light of, you know, her OCD. Like, yeah. the, her panic at not being, like, the her need to control the things around her. And, yeah, it pivoted into the best sex that she ever had. And like we said before, she probably got a Subaru. But, you know, there's, <laughs> you, you know, there's, there's, um, there's an element of that where, you know, like, Kay was completely uh, controlling the whole thing. And then when she turned on her to say that, you listen, you know, you need to figure things out. You understand, you know, where we're going. And, oh, and kind of pivoted all this way. And then for her to see... The flip side, like we've said before, I'm kind of okay on this one. If you've got a kid and your partner needs to hear that you are looking for a place, whatever, it doesn't mean to say you are going to do it. And if it means you get to see your kid, then you say that. But the fact that she built her kind of relationship as being this holier than now, out, you know, outspoken, open, free character, and then seeing the reaction to it, I think it's been clumsily handled. In the series overall, a season which has been very meticulous in anything else. And I think you're right, part of it probably is the, well, this is the big Atlanta child murder thing and we can't really have her involved with that as a case. So what we'll do is we'll play into... So, I mean, we even think of, like, Agent Smith's role thus far has been fairly small. He's just a punching bag for everyone else. Yeah, and... That that's where that's kind of played out. But when you look at James, James has had like a far more active role and is a far more interesting character that you want to spend time with. His instincts probably dictate that he should be in behavioural sciences. So, yeah, I think we've continued that story on to give us that character, to give her something to do. Otherwise, why is she in the show Yeah, during this whole... Like, like I, I think when you get to season three, her role probably will be expanded out where she will be training recruits and really involved in the theory behind it all. Um, but we just need to get through this Atlanta child murder thing first. Yeah. Which, to be honest, has been riveting. I, th- I think they've handled sure. it really, really, really well. 
yeah i i totally agree it's been it's been a lot of fun so um all right so next episode uh will be next week uh the finale for this season of duncan and bow come correct slash duncan and bow hunt minds um duncan in the meantime where can people find you you can check me out on the podcast under the stairs. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputzcast. So you can go to teaputzcast.com or check us out on the Flick Chat app. The join code for our page is all lowercase, all one word, the podcast under the stairs. Ah, well done. And you can find me on uh, legionpodcasts.com. Uh, where I do uh, shows like Pick 6 Movies and Legion Inc., which is all about comic books and is a rousing success, Duncan. Um, mm-hmm. and this is what we're here? Yeah, it's a bit, uh, word on the street. Smoke on the street, Duncan. That Legion Inc., uh, the show to listen to. So um, anyway, uh, thanks for all those who have listened to this show. Um, keep in mind, when we wrap up the finale next week, we'll be taking a little time off, and then uh, r- shortly thereafter, we'll be getting into uh, the terror infamy uh, oh, the second season we. of the tear which i'm infamy, very infamy. About. they're all in for me oh god uh <laughs> say good night duncan oh good night duncan yeah. Yeah.